Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. First up, Dave the Alcadron Vader. How was your week, buddy? Uh, really good. None of my cats died. And, oh, good. Uh, that is great to hear. I love that for myself. I love that for you. Yes. Thank you. That's all I got. That is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, oh, my no, week that's great. That, my week has been good. really boring that's otherwise. Uh, not, not bad boring, just like work and self-care boring. And uh, yeah, not, nothing nothing new to report, which is good. Sounds good. Which is a that very is very good, good sometimes. Yeah, very good. All right, next up is our resident PDH PhD who uh, missed last week, but we did talk to him during the Sanctuary event. Liam, how's it going? <laughs> it's it's going it it is going it just never stops going it, does it it never stops this the last i guess two weeks have been just an absolute whirlwind of a time yeah you weren't even sure you were gonna make it for tonight's I, episode right? i was not sure if i was gonna make it for tonight's episode but i did end up making it because what stopped me last week had it gone long would have extended into this week but I found out that I only had to be there for my part. Mm -hmm. And like the person who was in charge of me told me that. And that's where they messed up because I then volunteered to go first, which meant that when it did go long, because I knew it was going to, I didn't have to be there this week. (laughs) Oh, there you go. So my thought process was like, I'm going to go first so that I don't have to come back for the (laughs) second one of these that I know we're going to need because these always Uh go over time. Right. And yeah, that's exactly what what you were saying in the pre-show. It was supposed to be a half hour and it ended up being 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a little bit over. Yeah. These, these, see, here's the thing is the talk that like, they told me all the key points I had to hit. I'm like, guys, that's not going to be half an hour. I'm like at best, that'll be an hour. And they're just like, nah, you can make it fit. I'm like, no, no, I can't. You can do it. (laughs) It'll be an hour at best. And it was like 90 minutes. Yeah. And then like, like whoever's in charge of like determining how long you should spend talking about these things has never actually like taught them. Like mm-hmm. the, the, just read them or see them right, or know right. of it's, them. It, yeah. The little mm-hmm. training sessions for youth in the scouting organization. And like, I just, whoever, like, like when you read the little syllabus thing that they give you and it's like, yeah, this will take 20 minutes. And I read it. I'm like, it took me 20 minutes to read the syllabus. What, what do you mean is this a script <laughs> is that what this is like uh, it's it's awful whoever makes that stuff yeah. has never actually delivered it in the setting that they want you to oh so yeah for 100 percent sure i just yeah i went first that way i could be here this week because awesome well you didn't want to miss out on talking about new cars right we're right. really glad that you're back i'm glad yeah, that i'm absolutely. back too i guess i guess this is why i should preface that like i won't be here next week ah <laughs> uh, yes Maybe, 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 (laughs) probably. We'll know as we get closer to next week's episode. Yeah, probably, but like it'll be like day of when I know. Like, sure, it's (laughs) that's episode seventy four's problem. Yeah, it's episode because after that, I'm I'm here till the end of the year. So, right, yeah, easy, awesome. Sounds like you guys had busy but good weeks. Uh, Before we move on to the main topic, though, we got to do some housekeeping, just like normal. If you like the show and you like what we're doing here, consider supporting us over on Patreon at 
patreon.com slash the pdh pod by being a patron you get access to the pre-show which is usually anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes sort of a bonus episode every week of us just sort of talking behind the scenes getting the show set up talking about show notes uh interacting with the discord folks all that sort of good stuff and you get that for uh just uh right there on the patreon website and you get uh, early access to the episode before it goes live as well as the show notes i usually post those the night before it goes live on the uh, public airwaves if you will and then finally you get access to the pdh pod discord server where you can chat with us you can get help with all your decks you can chat with the other pdh pod patron family members and it's just all around kind of good uh good conversation there and then lastly check out the check out our youtube and twitch channels we're just the pdh pod on both of those platforms and the latter is where i stream spell table pdh every saturday evening um Usually around 5 p.m., but sometimes a little bit before, sometimes a little bit after. So uh, it's always a good time either way. Depending, no matter when we start, it's always a good time. Uh, I think that wraps up housekeeping. It is sufficiently clean. So, uh, Liam, what do we got for this week in magic? This week in magic. Yeah, this this is a good bit. Uh, so apparently... A little all over the place, kind of. Kind of. A little bit all over the place. Uh, thankfully, no secret list. <laughs> no secret list. Understood. Yeah. But... There is ah my my doc is moving. Cons of Tokyo, just the set, not the block. Cons mm-hmm. is coming to arena sometime in December. Not entirely sure when. Oh, okay. Still not enough to get me to download Arena again because that platform is trash. Uh, but <laughs> with the cons dropping, there's going to be a couple of uh, card type changes. So the card type tribal in the future is going to be referenced as. And uh, uh, printed as kindred. But the adjective when you're talking in conversation is not kindred. It is typal, like we've been using for a couple months now. Right. So it's it's part of part of the designers at West Coast philosophy is like the the tribal tribal mix up of like tr- the word tribal having two different meanings in the game was was accidental. Yeah. Like, the, the term tribal to describe a deck existed years before the card type did. Mm-hmm. But it just so happens that the majority of players these days came in after the card type. So a lot of players just kind of made a connection there that never really was supposed to exist. So this is their opportunity to kind of separate the terminology. And that's that's what they're trying to do. Now, you'll see people all over the place like being like, this is my Goblin Kindred deck. <laughs> if the almost if if close if they want quite. to be talking like the game designers are they should be saying my goblin typal deck correct this is my goblin kindred spell right like in Starfire my is a goblin kindred spell right, in my goblin typal yeah. deck that's how it's supposed to be that's how the designers going to be referencing it now saying that the designers have changed their own terminology based on how the player base talks so Mm-hmm. If the player base continues to be like, this is my Goblin Kindred deck, like, I imagine that will change. Sure. But but who knows? That That is Mark Rosewater's hill to die on, not mine. <laughs> In addition to that change, the Rakshasa cards will be losing the cat type. They will only be demons going forward. Uh, I think this is to become more in line with actual uh, representation of, of these, I guess, demons in whatever culture they come from i feel like dave is more knowledgeable on this than i am uh i think they come from hindi culture i, I wanted to of say that southern, as, southern asian 
I want to say that as well, but I wasn't entirely sure. I think in, in that culture, that I'm pretty sure they're just demons. Right, and they, they, got, they, they are. They got very, like, uh, the idea of them being, like, cat people was very popularized by Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so when when and, Magic started printing them on Magic cards, they were like, yeah, let's use the Dungeons and Dragons Rakshasas and not the like actual like cultural right. Rakshasas. I I think that's going to change going forward, which is cool. I'm down for it. Um Yeah, sure. Yeah, a Rakshasa is a demon or unrighteous spirit in Hindu mythology. There you unrighteous go. spirit. Love it. Uh, and the final type change is they are consolidating Nagas into snakes. So we ha- currently mm. have the Naga subtype and the snake subtype for that style of creature. We will just have mm-hmm. snakes going forward. Good deal. Uh, yeah, and that takes it off for the card types. The only other thing this week in Magic is Murders at Karlov Manor. We got a little bit of information, which is kind of funny that we got that before Ixalan, like actually releases. I don't know if funny is the right word or upsetting. It's one of those two. <laughs> anyway, the, inf- one of those two. the information that we got was like three pieces of artwork, which I think we've already seen like two of them already, so whatever. Uh, and then we got a first look date on Daily MTG will be on December 5th. Uh, the mm-hmm. set will officially release globally on February 9th. And the relevant PDH pod episode is about 86. So this yeah. is episode 73. Give or take. In yep. 13 weeks, 13 episodes, you should be hearing us talk about Modus of Karloff Mana. More new cards. So More new mark cards. your calendar. But yeah, uh, that is This Week in Magic. Awesome. Thank you for that. Well, it is time for the main topic. It is time for another set review. Uh, this time we're going down deep into the dark lost caverns of Ixalan. But this week, uh, based on some pretty good feedback we got from our patrons in our Discord, in our aforementioned Discord, we're going to take a little bit different of an approach to this set review episode. Um, normally, with each new set, we have two different episodes. We have the first one that comes out where we review and sort of grade and give our opinions on a handful of commons and uncommons. And then the following week, we each take a signpost uncommon from the set and we uh, do sort of a deck tech or we build a, build a PDH deck around that signpost uncommon. We take Typically, we take what is going to be um, or what that signpost wants you to do in limited and we expand that out into a pauper commander deck. And that usually takes up two episodes, kind of back to back. But this time around, we're going to try to combine the two, actually do the set review and the sort of kind of build around episode all in one all in one shot. Uh, while trying to finish in a respectable amount of time, hopefully. But seeing as we do have a lot of ground to cover with this new uh, arc, this new template, if you will, uh, let's start off with a couple new mechanics in the set, though, just so uh, people can follow along, know what we're talking about. And actually, I probably need a little refresher on them as well. Liam, do you want to go through the uh, mechanics real quick? I sure can go through the mechanics. Awesome. So the very first mechanic that I'm going to talk about is craft. This is a new keyword ability. Uh, It brings back the returning mechanic of transforming double-faced cards, but it brings it back in a new way. So there are plenty of treasures on Ixalan's uh, network of underground caves, uh, but not like the treasure tokens, right? Uh, But just like Mm -hmm. Ixalan itself, many of these treasures are more than they seem on the surface. So with the right materials, innocuous discoveries can be turned into more powerful artifacts. You won't have to do years of research to find out which materials to use. The craft keyword will give you the recipe that you need. So 
these cards, they're going to come down like any normal spell. They're going to have a craft ability. It's going to ask you to craft with a certain number of cards and a certain type of card uh, and pay a mana cost. To craft, you're going to pay this cost, exile the uh, card, the, the, the permanent itself that's on the battlefield that you are crafting, and then exile the types and quantities that it's asking for either from something you control and or something that's in your graveyard. And then you're going to mm-hmm. return the card that you just crafted to the battlefield transformed. Uh, it's kind of a little, it's it's a little more convoluted way of like the flip planeswalkers from Magic Origins, but sure. that's like the easiest comparison to TDFCs that I that I can make for people. That's craft. Uh, another new keyword is a keyword action. It is discover. It is very similar to cascade. To discover, mm-hmm. you are going to exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card with the mana value X or less, where X is the number that you are discovering. Uh, you are going to cast the card that you find without paying its mana cost, or put it into your hand. And you'll put the rest mm-hmm. in the bottom of your library in a random order. Uh, this is kind of like a fixed cascade where like it's impossible to whiff, basically. Like if you were to hit like an X spell or something that you know you need to pay mana into to make it better. You could just right. put it into your hand instead of casting it, which is kind mm-hmm. kind of cool. Not gonna lie. Yep, there's been a lot of a lot of talk around discover. Yeah, and it's cool because a lot of the discover that we got or that is in this set is a enters the battlefield ability. It's not a when you cast it like cascade is or anything like that. Yep, and like then it. we've got kind of like three mechanics wrapped up in one. <laughs> uh-huh. So there's the new ability word, which is descend n times or Fathomless Descent, and then the mechanic, which is called Descended. So whenever you descend n times, you are... I think it's mill. I'm not entirely sure. I know Descended. Let's go over Descended. So Descended, the actual like mechanic, is counted at the end of turn. You will have been considered to have Descended if a permanent card was put into your graveyard from anywhere. So this is from yep. your hand, from exile, from library, from the battlefield. If a permanent card gets to your graveyard. I keep saying card because tokens are not cards. Sacrificing right. your treasure token does not trigger descent or descended yep. at the end of turn when it when it when it looks for it. It's yep. weird. And it has to be a permanent, not instant or sorcery. Yes. Yeah. It's not always end of turn. Some some spells check whether or not you've descended as they resolve. Right. It's it's a little weird. It's just it's, it's just gonna descended is just asking, did a permanent card enter your graveyard this turn? Yes, yes or no? It's yes. just a checkbox. If it if it's yes, you get to do something a little extra. If not, you don't get the extra bit. Yep. Yep. And then the uh, so that was the mechanic. The the ability would descend N uh, and, and fathomless descent are, are connected. These are ability words that are used to highlight abilities that care about how many permanent cards are in your graveyard at any given moment, no matter mm-hmm. when they were put there. This is kind of like uh, landfall. Like landfall is an ability word that just highlights abilities that care about lands. Descend is an italicized ability word that just says like, hey, this ability cares about permanence in your graveyard so very common Mm -hmm. example is going to be like descend four and descend eight these are going to be uh uh, indicated by descend followed by a number Uh, and these abilities care if you have at least that many permanents in your graveyard 
versus right. Fathomless Descent is a variant of this <laughs> that cares about how many permanent cards are actively in your graveyard. So, like, Descend 8 is looking for 8 permanents. Descend mm-hmm. 4 is looking for 4 permanents. But Fathomless Descent could de- be anything. De- Descend 8 and Descend 4 are binary. They're either on or off, yep. depending on whether or not you have that in your graveyard. They're, they're, and Fathomless just like Descent descended. is always on. It's just a yes or no. Fathomless Descent is how many? Yep. It's always on. Mm, it just asks how okay. many. Yep. I need some water. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the flavor of Descend because it's supposed to kind of mirror Ascend, which is what we saw in the first Ixalan block. But like they sure. did it in a very, very bad way. <laughs> Uh, it seems bad right now as we're learning about it. I wonder if it's actually going to be that bad in practice. Uh, yeah, I, it may not be. It may not it be. May, maybe it's fine. Yeah. yeah. We have a returning keyword action of explore, typically found when a creature enters or leaves the battlefield. It'll not leaves. When it enters the battlefield, it'll explore or some other way to trigger that ability. Uh, exploring is revealing the top card of your library. You will put that card into your hand if it's a land. Otherwise, you'll put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature that is exploring, and you'll put the card either back on top or into your graveyard. And if you explore mm-hmm. multiple times, you'll repeat this process. And if you explore multiple times, but the first time you put the card back on top, all of the cards that explore multiple times will be very sad if you don't act surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you it's gotta true. make it like you found something cool. That is a legitimate ruling on Jade Light Ranger from the Ixalan block. <laughs> and I'm really, really hoping they put it on another card because there are multiple cards in this set that explore multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about the explore, explore cards. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have another new mechanic, which is map tokens. This is probably like my most like favorite thing out of the set so far. So okay. map tokens are an artifact token with pay one generic mana, tap, and sacrifice this artifact, target creature you control explores. Activate only as a sorcery. I think this is a really neat way to get an explore trigger on a future creature. It is. And when they announced, it was weeks ago, they announced the uh, introduction of map tokens, but they didn't say what they were going to do. Like, everyone was hypothesizing what map tokens are going to do and it was and it's so simple it's so clean and elegant like super elegant it's really cool design my i thought they were going to be little traveler's amulets sure yeah yeah yeah. so so i i heard traveler's amulet a lot my personal predictions were they were either going to be expedition maps or explorers and I'm, i'm happy to see they explore yep i like that quite a bit yeah and it's very thematic it works it's nice I, I had a lot of people telling me that they, they would never put Expedition Map on a token, and then I was like, guys, they put Lotus Petal on a token. Nothing's off the table. Yeah, and we just get them all the time now <laughs> yeah, for I'm nothing. Like, I'm like, they put Lotus Petal on a token and print it on like 20 cards a set. Nothing's off the table anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we've got a couple more things. The returning land cycle, it doesn't really matter to us, but for all the other Magic players out there, the, the rare land cycle is completing the rare land cycle from Eldraine. Uh, they're calling them restless okay. lands. They're just the new man lands, new animated lands. That's that's all they are. Sure. But yeah, that's that's what I think it is for this set in terms of mechanics. Do you think I missed cool, anything? Yeah, I don't think I missed anything. I don't think so. All all of these are fairly new, and 
So yeah. I was just going to take some time to get used to them. But no, I think it was a pretty good rundown, and I appreciate that quite a bit. I don't Dave hasn't said anything in a while. I think Dave should start us off with some new cards. What do you think? I would love to start you off with a new card. We're going gonna to do them in uh, Wooberg order this time. We're going to start with commons, like normal. That That's going to stay the same as previous set review episodes, and uh, we'll go Wooberg order. Yeah. Let's let me let me tell you about my favorite white common from the set. All right, let's do it. My favorite white common from the set is called Miner's Guide Wing. Okay. This is a one mana, one one flying vigilant. So already, right now, what we have is Segovian Angel, which yes. I love. One mana, one one flying vigilant, great card. Mm-hmm. Loves Bone Splitters. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This is better though. This is strictly unless you're playing Angel Tribal. This bird is strictly <laughs> strict improvement over the uh, the Angel in that it has an additional ability. When it dies, target creature you control explores. Booyah! So this is a one mana one one flying vigilant that is either going to replace itself in your hand when it dies or put a plus one plus one counter on one of your creatures when it dies. And I love. Yep all of that this is just so much value yeah. packed into one tiny little package i'm into it yeah absolutely it's going to do uh, i'm going to put it right into my bant birds list and yeah. it's going to be great there because you know it's three color deck in pdh so it's going to struggle with mana a little bit so exploring I'm, will always help you there and if i don't need the land then something gets bigger i'm going to put it into boros challenger which already loves sarah or segovian angel mm, yeah. and is there you go. overjoyed like the the two biggest problems that deck has is that it runs out of gas easily, and things that put cards in my hand are great, and uh, sometimes the Boros Challenger isn't big enough, and things that put counters <laughs> on it are great. This is literally everything I want out of a card for Boros right. Challenger. It's remarkable. Awesome. Uh, who's next? Uh, I'll take the next one. I got a couple white ones here. Let's start with the first one. It is Family Reunion. It's a two mana. It's a generic and a white for an instant and kind of a modal instant. You get to choose one. It's got two options here. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one until the end of turn, which I'm definitely a fan of. And then the second option here is creatures you control gain hexproof until the end of turn. That is a... I'm not sure how powerful or how effective or potent that's going to be in our format, but I'm a fan of both of these options. So I don't, there's not going to be a whole lot of decks that I don't run it in. Like I probably won't put it in something that's going to be like super grindy or what have you. But if it's something like, like I mentioned my, my birds list there, you know, at any given time, I'm going to have six to 12 creatures on the board and I need to protect all of them for some reason. Cause I don't know what's going to get targeted when or by who. And uh, so it helps to be able to give the whole team, uh, protection and then if i don't need it then i'll just pump them all by one not that we don't have a ton of white anthems to choose from but uh, having a little modality i'm a big fan of what do you think dave do you like it i adore this card in mm-hmm. not not generally but in go wide decks yes i yep. th- the two things that my go wide decks want are team pumps so i can close the game mm-hmm. and protection spells so that i don't lose the team uh, right. I don't love Hexproof as much as I love Indestructible, because yep. like what I really want to protect my team against is the Breath Weapons and the Pestilences and the Crypt Rats, and like this doesn't stop those at all a little bit. No, like not honestly, at all. honestly, I'm not even sure why it says creatures gain Hexproof. Like to me, that is not meaningfully <laughs> different from Target Creature gains Hexproof. It's going to save uh-huh. one thing. Like no, yeah. no one is going to target multiple of your creatures on the stack at the same time. 
Right. It's like uh, a museum skin. Like, do you ever overload it? What's the point of overloading it? You know? <laughs> so th- there's one time I saw a game once where someone countered a museum skin with intervene, uh-huh. which says counter target spell that targets a creature. And the guy uh-huh. goes, man, if I'd overloaded it, <laughs> you... <laughs> so oh. like that, that was hilarious and okay, okay, really okay. sad for that guy. And like, I've, I've, uh, but yeah, like this, the reason this says it, the difference between target creature you control against hexproof is that you cannot counter family reunion with intervene and whatever. I That seems radically irrelevant. Um, radically. Good, good but yeah, word, I, yeah. I, love, I love things that are going to pr- buff the team and or protect a guy. I, this seems yeah, like a great sure. modality that I want in cards. Yeah, like some of our better anthems uh, are almost or basically free or they have some sort of flashback on them, but this is totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan. Exactly. Uh, Mr. Liam, you got any white cards for us? Uh, I do have just a few. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Deconstruction Hammer. Uh, Deconstruction Hammer is a single white for an equipment. The equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has three generic tap, sacrifice the hammer, destroy target, artifact, or enchantment. And it also equips for one. Uh, I am a sucker for equipment, and this equipment comes with a disenchant attached. Yeah. I dig it. Not bad at all. Not Mm -hmm. bad at all. The next one I want to talk about is Glorifier of Suffering. For two and a white, you get a Vampire Soldier that is a 3-2. When it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature or artifact. When you do, put a plus one plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. I have a couple of plus one plus one counter decks. Uh, In particular, Hamza's is a big one. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I kind of want to see how this one plays in it. Because Hamza tends to have a, a couple of spare bodies floating around that it could potentially sacrifice a 1-1 to play a 3-2 and make two other things bigger. Mm-hmm. I I kind of want to play around with it. Because two counters yeah, and three mana is not a bad rate for that deck. Yeah, especially when you're starting with a relevant creature type in Vampire, and it's a 3-2 to well, begin with. I mean, with. that deck does not care about creature types. Well, sure, sure, sure. I, sure. I think the and only like, thing that deck cares about creature types-wise is not human. So, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, when I first read this card, I almost didn't read the last few words. I thought it was just going to be like one of those where, you know, when it ETBs, you can sacrifice a creature. When you do, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Or, or, or it enters with an additional plus one, plus one counter yeah. or something like that. But being able to put a plus one, plus one counter on up to two target like other creatures or it's you know whatever like that's sneaky that's powerful i think yeah yeah and what do you think dave do you like the vampire soldier i do i'm not sure how much sacrifice fodder i'm gonna have like this sure. this guy's stat line and ability gives me the impression that he wants to go aggro yeah, like I want to, I want to run him out really fast and then put pressure on the board. But like that, I have to sacrifice a thing to do that makes me feel like I'm losing tempo. So I'm not sure where I'm gonna fit him in. Sure. He almost feels more yeah. mid rangey than than aggro, which I'm not sure what to do with. Yeah, I think you know if we're talking about limited specifically, you know, you're not trying to build a deck that'll take advantage of its ability. Like I think maybe they're just hoping you have map tokens lying around or whatever yeah in limited i think this guy's an all-star he's gonna Mm -hmm. he's gonna sacrifice your map or your treasure or your whatever creature that's been pacified and he's gonna give you massive board presence for three mana 
I'm just right, not sure what you're looking at a four three like that's pretty good. A four three that gives another creature a counter. Yeah, right. That's, exactly. That's a five power for three mana is a great mm-hmm. rate. I just I'm not sure what to do with him in PDH. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's got to be something where you absolutely care about every word in his text box. Right. Like you want he, yep. he needs to go in a deck that's going to care about like really pressuring the board because he's a that I mean at the end of the day that's all he does. He's a lot of power. Yep. on a body. But you yep. also you have to care about pressuring the board and also not care about sacrificing things. Yep, 100%. So some sort of like aggro aristocrats kind of mid-rangey thing mm-hmm. and like I I have those decks. They're just not white. <laughs> Sure. So, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this guy. I like him, in theory. I, I'm not sure what he's for. Yeah, that is totally fair. Looks like you got one left, Liam. What do you got? Yeah, uh, the last one I have is Iron Paw Aspirant. For one and a white, you get a 1-2 Cat Warrior that enters the battlefield to put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. So, mm-hmm. this is the 13th installment of this effect at Common, where a 1-3 to three mana creature enters the battlefield to put a counter on a target creature. This is the eighth one at two mana, and it's of those two mana ones, it is only the second ever white one. Uh, the first oh. one being Backup Agent from Streets of New Capenna. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And my, 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 this, this level of two mana for one counter is kind of like the linchpin of my Hamza deck, and mm-hmm. I will always take more of those the of of the two mana slot this is already better because it's a one two and that slot tends to be one one the only thing this really has to compete in that slot with is dusk shell crawler from modern horizons 2 and that's all you really need to know about that code Uh, yep (laughs) and uh potentially guardian glade walker because that's a changeling but oh, my, yeah, yeah. my mm-hmm. Hamza deck does have a few includes that specifically care about non-human creatures. So Aspirant already has a leg up over Gladewalker and Backup Agent because it's non-human. So at the very Fair. worst, this will get slotted in because it's non-human. At the best, it'll get slotted in right beside a bunch of the stuff because I think the deck is very close to a critical mass of these effects. But I don't. I think it's still a card or two away. So... I'm I'm yeah. excited to slot this right in. Nice. I like it. Uh I got one white card left here. This one was brought up in our Discord. Uh Thousand Moons Infantry. It's a two generic and a white for a two four. A thick old two four human soldier. And in the text box it says untap thousand moons infantry during each other player's untap step. This is definitely effect. We don't really have a ton of, if anything, at all, and especially not in white. What to, Dave? What are you going to do with it? I don't know what to do with this. I don't. This feels like something that needs to be specifically uh, mono white, maybe. But I, I don't really know what to do with this other no, than like think, equip it and be like, oh look, now I got a big blocker as well. You want to put this in a Bant deck, uh, okay? So like th- at at the competitive level these decks look like parcel beast and pure sight marrow where you're going to you're going to have creatures that tap and untap tap themselves a lot so like in okay. parcel beast you're using the simic ragworms and the you know the horseshoe crabs and you're going to be using their ability to untap themselves to 
attach things like viridian longbows and vanishing knacks and you know in the case of the the parcel beast literally just parcel beast um <laughs> and then you're gonna like that's your value engine and you'll eventually turn that value engine into a combo okay. uh at the casual level and like th those competitive decks i think don't want this guy because this guy only taps untaps like four times a turn cycle and you want to be doing things like way more often as much as possible right yeah at the casual I... level, like you can imagine a Bant deck that's going to have all those same untappers, and like instead of trying to go for a combo, they're just going to do the value thing. Maybe you have Bant Battle Mage, and you're going to give a lot of things flying or mm -hmm. trample. I think is the other thing that Bant Battle Mage does. I don't know, but the the goal there is you're still going to want to get this guy with you know some kind of uh, careful cultivation. Yeah, so have, I was like, just crazy looking at that. It's on my screen right now. Yep, it make it a, uh, yeah. um, it would make it a three seven that taps for double green. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or you know a, a psionic gift, so you can ping things a lot. Healer's headdress, maybe if you're really really scraping the bottom of that barrel, uh, mm -hmm. will give you an ability to tap to prevent some damage. Scooby has a deck like that that's just all uh -huh, of the tap to prevent uh -huh. damage things. Yeah, and uh, send want... sniff into a rage. Right, I was just gonna say, if you ever want a a, <laughs> a really great evening of entertainment, just get him and Sniff in the same room and make make Scooby play that deck against Sniff, and like, it is worth the price of admission. I guarantee. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so you want to be doing some sort of, I don't want to say shenanigans, but you want to get as much value out of oh. that untappability as possible i'll say shenanigans absolutely shenanigans okay perfect shenanigans yeah, yeah some some kind of equipment or aura that's going to give that thing a tap ability and then you get to use it four times a turn cycle instead of just one right and it's hard to kill because it's either going to be a un untapped so it can block for days especially if it's got some sort of equipment or care for cultivation that sort of thing on it and b it's just so thick like there's not a lot of direct damage that can kill it right away yeah it should stick around for quite a while. Yeah, for and sure. pseudo, you know, pseudo vigilance isn't a terrible thing. So, yeah, uh, attacking and blocking is pretty solid. There's nothing yeah, something creatures can do. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, I think that pretty much wraps up the white cards we're interested in. What do you have for blue, Dave? Uh, in blue, I only have there's only one blue card that I want to talk about, and it is okay. Inverted Iceberg. <laughs> is my favorite blue card in the set. This is a two-mana artifact. When uh -huh. it enters the battlefield, you mill a card and then you draw a card. And I Solid. love doing both of those things. Mm -hmm. So it's yep. two, two mana for a mill one, replace itself with a cantrip. After that, it just chills out on your battlefield for a while without doing anything really impressive until you can spend six mana, four and two blue, to craft it with an artifact. Mm-hmm. And that will effectively transform this into a 6-6 Golem that allows you to tap or untap any target artifact or creature anytime it attacks. Yep. And I love tapping and untapping things. This that, is that just is a fun thing to do. Just a massive guy that loves to party, and I'm mm -hmm. here for it. Like I, I love that the front face is just a cantrip. Like, you, you lose so little by just dropping this and then just letting it sit there until you have six spare mana and a spare artifact in your graveyard. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it, maybe it maybe you even put the artifact into your graveyard with that mill ability. Like, I love this for mill decks, and then, you know, 
like Sivris, I think, is the ideal place for this. Sivris plus blue, because Sivris is going to mill through your deck anyway, and uh, sure, yeah, yeah. having a six-six attacker that untaps Sivris is nuts. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't say uh, defending player controls or opponent controls. Just yeah. whatever creature you want. You get artifact. to tap or untap anything you want. And I'm yeah, I like it. I like this design. Obviously, this craft with artifact is a new thing we've gotten, but I like where Watsi has been in the last few years where, and a lot of it comes from uh, arena play, they want games to be better, flow better, fire design, blah, 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 all that limited environment, this and that. I like that we're getting interesting late game mana sinks, just like this craft with artifact thing is, instead of just like, here's a fireball, you know what I mean? Like, instead of just like your generic X spells or what have you, like we're getting, they're designing really cool, interesting things to do with a whole bunch of mana in the later turns of the game, and I'm 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 a fan of it. Honestly. Yeah, I I'm honestly really excited to to play around with this craft mechanic in the in the yeah, pre-release and cool. the, the 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 subsequent drafting. I think I'm gonna have a lot of fun, like constructing a deck that's designed designed to like make sure that I have that artifact available in play or in my yard, something that is around but that I don't care about, so that I can use this hit this ability late game and have a huge threat out of a card that I've already gotten value out of. Right, exactly. And if if the format ends up being too fast or fast enough to where it's really not feasible to pay six mana to craft this artifact or craft with another artifact, there's a ton of sacrifice outlets in this set that work perfectly yeah. off this artifact that you already got value from. Yeah, if, if you don't want to craft it, there's tons of other things that you can do with it, even though it doesn't give you those. I mean, it gives you one option if you want to spend six mana and craft it. And if you don't, yeah, there's still plenty you can do with that artifact that's just sitting on the board yep uh let me i'll throw out one blue card and then we'll hop over to liam uh i got two on my list for blue the first one is actually kind of funny it's pirate hat it's another artifact another two mana artifact it's a generic and a blue for an artifact equipment equipped creature has plus one plus one or gets plus one plus one and has whenever this creature attacks draw a card then discard a card you can equip a pirate for one or you can equip any other creature for two Actually, I didn't even notice this had an equip pirate part on it because I just don't play a lot of pirates. I mean, I guess I play a lot of changelings, but that's about it. Um, other than that, you know, I'm a fan of blue equipment that does this sort of thing, like Goggles of Night. I love Goggles of Night. I try to play that as often as possible. And this, you know, security bypass, I know that's not an equipment, but it has that same sort of vibe. And I'm just big on blue auras, blue equipment, because they're always, you know, it's not super interesting, but looting is fun you know discarding cards in the right deck is very fun like there's just built-in card advantage and once again it's just um another artifact on the battlefield and every now and then you'll be able to equip it for super cheap so i'm a fan seems good seems good in any sort of like cranial plating deck you know where you're trying to keep gas in your hand at all times you know that loot uh ability would help quite a bit so i like everything about it even worst case scenario, even if you got to equip for two, it's not horrendous. What do you think, Liam? I know you like equipment. You like the I pirate hat. Love equipment. The pirate equipment seems kind of okay. Mm -hmm. Sure. Like I, I, I think they went sort of safe on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like equipping for two feels like a lot when the equip pirate is one. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like, you know, maybe the equip pirate is a generic versus the equip anything is a blue mana might have been better. Sure. But but maybe I'm just oh, that, wrong. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like one generic for a pirate or a blue mana for any other creature. Right. That would have been kind of cool, yeah. Maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe, you know, the equip pirate for one is a discount because it's flavorful and it's, you know, supposed to be discounted for this one type and it, it otherwise it should cost two. Like, I I don't know. I, I love equipment. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know if the ability the creature gets weird. from the equipment is worth two, but right. yeah. Right. I think the ability is worth one and the plus yeah. one plus one is worth one. And that's how they got two. Yeah. But the type of creature that I'm attaching this to doesn't really need plus one plus one because it's probably got some form of evasion. No, well, that's fair. Yeah. Especially in blue. Yeah. Well, I don't see any blue on your list, Liam. Is that correct? That is correct. There is no blue on my list. <laughs> All right. I got one more blue card to talk about, then we'll move on to black here. I got uh, my last one is Oraska Puzzle Door. It's another artifact. Look at that. It costs a single blue for just a regular old artifact. And you can pay one generic, tap, and sacrifice the puzzle door to look at the top two cards of your library. You put one of those cards into your hand, the other into your graveyard. Uh, I'm a fan. I, there's so many... What ability is this? This is a this is a card. This is like a instant speed card. Is it... Sleight of consider? hand. Sleight of hand. Thank you. I could, that could not come to me any faster. Uh, yeah. Sleight of hand on an artifact, that's fine. Uh, it doesn't have an ETB ability, but it's only a single blue. You know, if you, I, I don't think this is, I'm excited about this artifact, its ability, but it's not generically good or interesting enough to go in pretty much any blue deck I'm playing. You know, for most part, I want my blue to be mm, a little more powerful than this, like with some sort of ETB attached to it or something. But uh, for its effect, it's not bad. You, you know, you get sleight of hand on the uh, installment plan, as they say. So, And it's a cheap artifact if I need to sacrifice something. so Or throw some counters on it, turn it into a creature. I can find it with Trinket Mage, yada, yada, yada. All the uh, silly, fun, casual stuff. So what do you think, Dave? Do you like the puzzle door? I love the puzzle door for Ixalan limited i think that it's going to do the sure, same kind yeah, of thing yeah. where it's gonna it's a really cheap artifact if you need there's so many things that let you sacrifice artifacts it can fuel that you can just yeet it into your graveyard and have it replace itself while also milling a card like this this is going to enable craft craft with artifact this is going to enable craft with artifact yes. in a really spectacular way and i'm gonna really enjoy playing around with that in draft yep I am struggling yeah, to find a home for this in my PDH decks because yes, the ones that 100%. want card draw don't care about the artifacts so much, and the ones that like want you... artifacts don't want to sacrifice the artifacts. So like it's in this weird spot where like I, it does a good thing, but we already have so many cards that do that thing kind of better that I don't know that I'm going to replace a better card with this one because I think this one's neat. Yeah, exactly, and. What I think I was trying to get at earlier is in PDH, I think you're going to have to have a deck that cares about this particular card itself or what it says or have like some sort of door type old deck, <laughs> you know, like maybe you could put it in your replication specialist deck and do something with it. I don't know. But uh, outside of that, yeah, it's not like, a, ooh, this is a slam dunk in this particular deck or this is a build around or what have you. Like it's just a generically good artifact that cost a single blue, but like you said, we've probably got this effect a dozen times over already on various different types of cards. 
Uh, all right. I know you got some black cards, yeah, Dave. I would just rather be playing sleight of hand, I think. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's yeah. awkward. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I want to tell there's there's two cards that I think I, I'm really excited about the two of them, and I'm extra double excited about the two of them together. Ooh. So okay. I want Liam to open up with this one so that he can tell us his first black card, and then I want to follow Ooh. up. Let's do it. So my first black card is Fanatical Offering. Fanatical Offering is one in black for an instant as an additional cost to cast the spell Sacrifice an Artifact or Creature. You draw two cards and then create a map token. So this is very, very much like Deadly Dispute, where you draw mm-hmm. two cards and make a treasure, but instead of a treasure, you get a map. Cool. I think this I, this has a lot of the same applications that Deadly Dispute does has a lot of the yep. same applications that uh, I think it's Reckoner's Bargain is the one that gains your life. Like, mm-hmm. it's same application, another copy, great card. 10 out of 10, yep. recommend. Yep. And all these, you know, map tokens flying around now, you know, Jury's going to love them. The, um, the other Rectus one that I can't think of now. Mayhem Devil. The... Thank you. Mayhem Devil loves all the kind of stuff. So. Storm, Storm Rage. Storm Rage. Storm yeah, Rager. Storm, Storm Rager. Rager. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, all so, of yeah. it. I, I am overjoyed by this card because I I was playing this card when it was uh, Deadly Dispute, which is outstanding. I'm not yes. going to convince anyone that, that dead, I was made <laughs> sacrifices by putting Deadly Dispute in my deck. I was playing this card when it was uh, the Costly Plunder. Yeah. And, and you just had to sacrifice and... the thing and then, and then you yeah. didn't get it you just drew you two cards get anything, anything extra. Yeah. i was playing this card when it was altars it. reap when yeah. you had to uh-huh. sacrifice a, a creature and it couldn't be an artifact i was playing this card before they printed altars reap i was playing this card when it was skull tap oh which is God, this card that card a sorcery you sorcery <laughs> speed two mana sacrifice a creature draw two cards i was playing skull tap and i loved skull tap and it, I, I i didn't feel good playing skull tap <laughs> But it was part of my plan, and I I loved it when that plan came together. And like, the the card has just gotten so much better over the years. Yeah. I cannot get enough of this effect. I want all of it. Please give me, please give me the one that makes a <laughs> uh, a shard token. Please give me the one that makes. Oh a, yeah, bring a it food on. Food token. Like I I want I need all of this. Yeah, yeah uh, I wanted to. I wanted to open with that because the card I want to talk to you about today is what I consider to be the the partner, the the sister effect to this one, and that is Grave Flickers. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. This okay, okay. set is giving us a new Sacrifice a Creature for two cards instant, and mm. it's giving us a new instant speed, one or two mana, when this creature dies, return it to the battlefield tapped. Yeah. This version of the card is, I think, better than a lot of the other iterations we've got in the past because this one is an aura with right. flash. Mm-hmm. So we've had this as an instant before in, in the form of, you know, demonic gifts and unnatural stamina. We've had it as an aura before in the form of, uh, you know, Kaya's ghost form or unholy indenture. Now we have those things merged. We have the aura that sticks around over several turns if you need it to, but it also has flash and you can use it as this combat trick. Uh, if the aura sticks around, it's going to give the creature a permanent plus two power. And then when the creature dies, 
you turned it to the battlefield tapped. And yeah. uh, I'm just I'm thrilled to have another one of these grave flickers and another one of these sack for two cards things. I have a lot of black decks that rely on these abilities a lot. Yeah, like for we're, sure. For sure. We're we're getting pretty close to saturated. Like we're at the point now where if, if they print another one of these, I'm gonna have to start like cutting the ones I've already got to, to see what's best. <laughs> but for now for now I'm still at the point where I'm gonna run literally everything I can get my hands on and I just got my hands on another one of each and I'm thrilled. Yeah, and I I think being an aura is gonna be sneaky powerful in some decks. Yeah. Like so. one of the one of the decks where I'm like really go hard on this effect is uh Barrowin. Who wants oh yeah, to... yeah the dun the dungeon yeah the dungeon yeah. one the, yeah. the Orzov dungeons and uh, I go hard on the grave flicker effects because she ventures into a dungeon every time she comes into play so I mm-hmm. want to be killing her and doing that a lot but once right. she's online she reanimates things so she can reanimate Heliod's pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> and just get me the fungal fortitudes Can't and the unholy dentures and the Kaya's yeah. ghost forms and the the aura precipitous drop the aura that ventures <laughs> like uh yeah like being and able to search only... for this as an aura is it feels really good this is the only grave flicker that we have that's an aura that has flash right correct okay that's it's, what i thought like we we've had ones that are instant speed we've had ones that are auras this is the first thing that combines those two yeah that's amazing i'm excited about it you got a black card for us? Do I have a black card? Yeah, I literally have just one black card. Uh, I haven't been, ever since I built my Tormod Radiant partner deck, I have just been sort of like immersed off the deep end, if you will, looking for pretty much any graveyard recursion, but specifically instant speed graveyard recursion. And we got another one of those in Caverns of Ixalan. It's another chance. It's too generic and a black for an instant. Uh, you may mill two cards. And then return up to two creatures from your hand, from your graveyard to your hand, and that's it. Plain and simple, nothing else. No, no bells and whistles. Just you can mill two if you want, and then after that, you get two creatures uh, back to your hand. So I'm always, I've been on the hunt for instant speed recursion for probably two or three weeks now, and we'll we'll see if this makes the cut. It is three mana, blah 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 blah. There are some downsides to it, I'm sure, but um, yeah, I like it. Was- I like it. I'm go ahead. Was Unsealed the Necropolis an instant? Yes, that was okay. also an instant. So yep. this is this is very Unsealed and Necropolis-ish, then. Yeah, uh, Unsealed, you mill, you uh, each player mills three each cards. Mills, yeah, that's right. Yeah, this one is you may mill two, but yeah, other than that, they're pretty well identical. So cool. Um, yeah, that's good. There's I, I some... like having more of them. I, I do too. I do too, and it's and it's pretty good in some decks. And I I think it's not just because of Tormod. I've just sort of, it's taken me this long in my PDH journey to really start to appreciate Graveyard Recursion. Hmm. I was either like on the Exhume plan or hmm. I was not at all even caring about the Graveyard one bit. But now that we've been getting so many um, land cyclers, like it's really opened my eyes to the possibility of Recursion spells, what they can do for you. And then that sort of trickled over into, well, I don't have to just recur land cyclers like i might just have good creatures in there that i want to get back you know? right like, <laughs> like that's, and that's what that's, they're there for so I, I love this because it i it feels like divination to me it feels like a divination that's guaranteed to get two hits 
yeah, your two best like it's, that are in it's, there. Mm-hmm. It's not a, it's not a divination that's going to draw you two lands. It's an instant speed exactly. divination that's going to give you two relevant cards. Two and threats. Like, hopefully, it's a, it's. I mean, it's a divination that gets countered by Relic of Progenitus, but like I'll take yeah, that risk. Yeah, there is that. Oh like, yeah, that 100%. seems fine. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like these cards. I'm glad that we're getting more of them. Yeah, for sure. So we'll have to see if I can find a f- spot for it in the new deck, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, yeah, that's the only black card I actually had. Uh, Liam, what do you got next for black? Anything? Uh, I do have one more. It is Ray of Ruin. Ray right. of Ruin is four and a black for a sorcery that will exile target creature, vehicle, or non-basic land, and you'll scry one. So this is pretty interesting to me. Uh, this is definitely this designed, super interesting. It's definitely designed for LCI Limited. Because the exile vehicle is different. Uh, Black does not get artifact removal. Like, that's not something it's allowed to do. It's allowed to sacrifice its own artifacts, but removing artifacts is, is, like, opponent's artifacts is not something that's in its pie. So exiling a vehicle here is very clearly designed for limited, where there are a lot of vehicles that are sometimes creatures, but probably not on your turn. So... This is basically them saying, like, in this limited environment, we want people to be able to remove vehicles in black. Right. Outside yep. of limited, this basically reads, four in a black, exile target creature or non-basic land, and scry one. We have plenty of exile effects at uh, five mana or even four mana, and at instant speed for creatures in black. However, the flexibility of exiling a creature or a non-basic land, and then getting to scry one. I feel like all of that together is worth five mana versus just exile target creature. Sure. Like that, that spell is not very exciting. This spell is exciting and it's, yeah, it's, it's sorcery speed, but honestly, like for this kind of flexibility that they're clearly testing out right now, I think sorcery speed is fine. Uh, I, Mm -hmm. I think this is not an amazing card. I, I don't know if it's competitively viable, probably not at five mana, but it's definitely something that I, I will be messing around with in casual because the, the flexibility of hitting a non-basic land that someone might have stacked an aura or two on top of or that might be a linchpin in a strategy just is is well worth that mana cost. Yeah, yeah. Five mana is expensive, but it is quite interesting that, that you can hit a vehicle. I mean, if you've ever been smacked in the face by a Thundersteel Colossus, you know that uh, you wish you could exile that vehicle. So Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dave, you got any more black cards for us? I do. I have one more Ooh, black card. Ooh, you got that a good one. About. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it might be one of my favorite cards in the set. Uh, I want to talk to you about Tithing Blade. Okay. Which is a two-mana artifact. It's it's very similar to the blue card I talked about before. It's a two-mana mm-hmm. artifact that enters the battlefield ability. And then once it's done that, it just sort of sits there and is an artifact that doesn't have any continuous effect at all. It just hangs out, chilling. Unless you do something with it by sacrificing it to some other effect, or you can craft it. Yeah. The enters the battlefield effect on this guy is Fleshbag Marauder. When it comes to play, each opponent sacrifices a creature, which is not small. That's a really good effect. Because it does not hit each player, it's each opponent. Each opponent, yeah. So this is somewhere in between Innocent Blood, which only costs one mana, but makes each player sacrifice a creature, including you. And Fleshbag makes each player sacrifice a creature, but it is its own body, so you can just sacrifice right. it. 
Yeah, it's a table-wide edict, basically. Yeah, table-wide edict for two mana. And once it has finished being a table-wide edict for two mana, you can pay five mana, craft it with a creature. So again, that's exile a creature card from play from your battlefield or from your graveyard. Mm-hmm. And you can transform it into a uh, dogged pursuit. It's just uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, an, an artifact that just hangs out, and at the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Yep. It's like a creeping bloodsucker without the body. Yep. And like I'm not, I'm not excited about paying five mana for a creeping bloodsucker because that's definitely a two mana card. But <laughs> I am excited about the fact that the two mana version of this card is just an a, a flesh bag, and yeah. then later, if you have five spare mana, it turns into a creeping bloodsucker. Yeah, if you got something to do, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this one, I feel like it's a slam dunk in my Minthara deck, because that deck needs help early, because it's kind of slow. So, two mana Edict is not not something to uh, to sneeze at, as they say. So, And then later I can, if I need to, that, game go, or that deck goes late anyway, I can craft it with something else. I can sacrifice it to Deadly Dispute, or, or the new one we just got. So, yeah. I like it quite a bit. I think it's some of the cards we've talked about so far. This is one of the first ones that's like generically good enough that you just sort of like throw it in a black deck. Yeah. Because it's just good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these cards are like very like specifically good in certain circumstances. Like Tithing Blade, I think, is just a rock star. I think it's going to be yeah. generically good in a ton of different decks. Yep. Because awesome. Flashback is good. And it's just and a flashback is super flashback. good. <laughs> right. And I'm in one V one formats. I love the chainers edicts and the diabolic edicts. And now we sort of have that, but it's for everybody. Yeah. And for all the opponents, not just target opponent. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess a huge part of what makes flashback good is that it's very recurrable. Yeah. Uh, you can, as a keep creature in your graveyard, back, yep. you can get it back really, really easy. And like, you can't do that with tithing blade. Yeah. But, flashback, uh, you can cast it and then hit it with a grave flicker or something. Yeah. Uh, but I, Tithing Blade, I mean, it's it's less repeatable than Flashbag for that reason, but it also costs less and then does another thing later. Yeah. So I love And we that. do have a, you'd have to go into a different color, but there are cards that'll flicker it. So if you wanted to get into something silly like that, but yeah. I think just casting it once is still good enough to, to warrant a slot in your deck. Faux show. Faux show. All right, let's move on to red here. I got one that starts at the beginning of the red alphabet is Ancestor's Aid. Uh, generic and a red for an instant target creature gets plus two plus oh gains first strike until the end of turn and you create a treasure token i don't know that's all i got it's pretty pretty uh cut and dry there what it does i like it obviously it says it's in red and obviously it says target creature so obviously i thought of putting it in zada that was the first place i thought of putting it but naturally naturally i mean you, ba- you basically you're gonna get plus two plus oh and first strike for a single red so it's not bad. It's not terrible. Any sort of like I recently I haven't played it yet, but I went ahead and put together the spell spear prowess prowess guy from. Uh, oh, yeah. The Kenra. Yeah. 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 The Kenra spell spear seems good there. Like just seems sort of those sort of there. decks. Yeah. So any sort of like um, prowess deck kiln fiend. This will fit right into my uh, warden of the eye. The the monk prowess deck y'all built for me fits fits great there. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of homes for it. I don't know if it's generically good. You kind of have to be in the market for combat tricks to begin with, but I like it. I'm a big fan of this particular one, so I don't think we need to talk a whole lot about it. Liam, what do you got for red? Yeah, so for red, I have two cards coming up. 
the first one I'm going to talk about is Sunfire Torch. So Sunfire Torch is a single red for an equipment. Go figure. Uh, if the equipped creature gets plus one plus zero and has whenever this creature attacks, you may sacrifice Sunfire Torch. When you do, this creature deals two damage to any target and equip one. This is kind of like Spare Dagger, but a little bit better because it's colored mana. It yeah. just does an extra damage to the target. I like it. I, I play Spare Dagger, I think, in one deck. This might replace it because that deck <laughs> happens to be red. But yeah, I think it's neat. And it's an equipment. Can't go wrong with equipment. Yeah. And it does it to any target, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is Idol of the Deep King. So this is two and a red for an artifact, not an equipment. I like that name quite a bit. With Flash. Uh, when Idol of the Deep King enters the battlefield, it does two damage to any target. So for three mana, you get an artifact that shocks something. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. So, uh, yeah. It, 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 that's terrible. I don't know why you're agreeing with me. <laughs> uh, it then has a craft ability. Because you're a professional. I just wanted to like, you know, <laughs> like yeah, you up. Liam knows what he's talking about. Sure, sure. That's right. <laughs> uh, it, it then has a craft ability uh, where you can craft it with an artifact for another two and a red, which as a reminder will be you pay two and a red and you exile the idol. Uh, and then you exile another artifact that you either control or that's in your graveyard. And once you pay that huge cost, you will return the idol to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control, and you craft only as a sorcery. And the backside of this is an equipment. So uh, it is called Sovereign's uh, Maka Huitl. It's, yeah, it's it's Sovereign Sword. Uh, and when Sovereign Sword... <laughs> it's enters, an axe! It's a sword. When Sovereign's sword enters the battlefield, you attach it to target creature you control. So you just pay that huge craft ability, but it comes in attached to something. Uh, the equipped creature will get plus two plus zero, and it has an equip ability for two generic mana. I think yep. this is a pretty solid card. Uh, Dave seems to think it's an axe because it gives plus two plus zero. I don't <laughs> That's know. what an axe that, does. That art looks suspiciously like a sword. And I just looked it up. It is apparently a weapon, specifically a wooden club with several embedded obsidian blades. That sounds oh, a lot like God. Yeah, that sounds An a axe? lot like a yeah. sword. <laughs> no, it sounds like a lot yeah, like a sword. All all of those world famous swords with a wooden haft and just like sharp things sticking out of the wood. That's how swords are made. Yeah, all those world famous axes that just have tiny blades sticking out of them instead of, you know, giant, massive, curved ones. A hatchet, yes. The word you're looking for is a hatchet. This is this is far a wood, a wood, this is not a wooden a handle with a a wooden handle with a with a small blade sticking out of it is called a hatchet, which is this, a kind of axe. This no, this this is a sword. All right. It's going uh, in my, I will, I will be, it's, I have it's, no choice but to trust you. It's going in my swords deck. I'm sorry. It's going in my axe deck. Well, you're just wrong. Well, I think those two decks are just going to have to battle it out. There's, there's, there's only one way this gets settled. I mean, my yeah. swords deck wins. It's a Zogo EDH deck. The red so, zone. I mean, uh, I mean, unless, you'd like unless to your think axe that. deck is an EDH deck, then uh... <laughs> my my axe deck is a PDH deck with airdrop condor. What do you want right. from? <laughs> what do you want right. from me, bud? Uh, so it's a sword. Awesome. Okay, glad we settled that. What do you got for red, Dave? Do you got any uh, axes? I want to talk about a. Uh, so I, I said tithing blade is one of my favorite cards in the set. The uh-huh. actual my favorite card in the set is a red card. It is a five mana sorcery. 
What? So we're already off to a terrible start. Terrible Amazing. start for being your favorite card in the set. Five mana sorcery. Okay. Up to three target creatures can't block this turn. Mm, which better. I already love. I do too. We uh we hate blocking in this family. We we don't we don't tolerate blocking in this house. And sometimes right. people need encouragement to not block. And yeah, this they need, will provide the, uh, for need them. to show them for the, how awesome it is to not block. For the low, low price of five mana at sorcery. <laughs> and then, right. after three creatures can't block this turn, you discover four. Yes. So you just get to... It's, it basically has Cascade, and I love Cascade. Mm -hmm. I, want, I want Cascade to exist on so many more things. And now I'm it does. I'm a fan of this discover mechanic. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Also, here's a fun fact. Okay. Uh, it says up to three target creatures. Here's a thing that you can do with this. One is up to three. So you could cast this with only one target. And that one target could be Zada. It absolutely could be Zada. You want to cascade 12 times? <laughs> I do. I do. How did oh, you man. know? How Me too. You know? <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, I got to put Zada back together. It's happening. I, I think so. It's I, I think like, so. I had Zada built for a long time, and I took it apart because, it, like, it was, it was not a fun deck for me to play because it was right on that threshold of competitive, where if no one answered Zada, it just won in this catastrophic landslide of unstoppability. Right. Or. If someone did answer Zada, then I didn't get to do anything. I just yeah. Then you just didn't play Magic. But that that's when like my my gimmick with Zada was to just play a bunch of you know Orcish conscripts and Jackal pups, and then like and like brass men and Yoishin soldiers, just useless sure. idiot bodies that no one would ever think to waste removal <laughs> on. And then Until and then hit bashing. Zada with you know the 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 enrages and then the infuriates and the the uncaged furies and the, you know uh -huh. just have an army of like twelve power double striking trampling. <laughs> um which is yeah. fun. Don't get me wrong. Super entertaining. Super fun, like, yeah yeah. In the last couple of years we've gotten so many Zada tricks that are so much more entertaining than having a bunch of twelve power trampling double strikers. Things like yeah. Witch's Mark, like just yeah, with on all the Zada, rolls, yeah. like he puts the Wicked Roll on all your creatures, and then you get to draw two, discard one for each of your creatures. Uh, we've gotten the, the card you just described, where it gives a creature plus two power and first strike, and then you get a treasure. Uh -huh. Like that's a that's a ritual in Zada. Yeah, so you you spend two mana and you get back like six treasures. Six, six treasures, right? Sure. Okay. And then yeah, and you spend your six treasures on daring discovery, and then you cascade six times. Oh my god! And that's like right I there. just that's the, that's I the want tech right there. And, and like, and then you spend more mana on Faraday's fireball. That is absolutely <laughs> the best Zada tech. You just blast your entire board with this thing. You get to you, you deal five damage to each of your creatures, and they all die. But every yep. time that spell resolves, you roll a d20, and based on that result, you either deal two damage to each player or two damage to each opponent, and you just say, yep. "Let's let's let the dice determine let's, let's who see wins." This. Where we go? Like, I'm not even. All my creatures have plus two power and first strike. I don't care. I'm not attacking. I'm murdering every single one of them right now, <laughs> so that I can deal twenty damage to everyone, and maybe myself included. We'll see. Right. And we'll I just have to see. I, I need to build Zada again. It's got to happen. I think you should. Like, yeah. 
exactly the way you're explaining it like the fun the 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 carnival version of zada like yeah the ridiculous version yeah i need that in my life yeah that sounds hella fun yeah yeah so this is my favorite card in the set daring discovery can't right. get enough of this uh, uh cascade my second red card is pretty high up there for for favorite cards of the sets this is uh an aura it is two generic and a red for itali's favor uh enchant creature you control so you can't put it on a different an opponent's creature or anything like that uh when itali's favor enters the battlefield you discover three okay not too oh bad. my god for zada right it's just it, the hits just keep on coming <laughs> oh no zada's only then... instant sorceries never mind oh yeah alas uh, alas oh well we tried and then uh, Enchanted Creature gets plus one, plus one, and has Trample. I'm not a huge fan of a three-mana aura, just because of the inherent downsides that aura auras have on you know built into them. But you get a lot of stuff, and I would play this in some sort of, like, maybe Rayov, but probably some sort of, like, rinky-dink heroic deck or something like that, where... You know, my creatures aren't going to be that big anyway, so more than likely off the Discover trigger, I'm probably going to be casting another creature for free. Like, that's totally fine. Plus one, plus one, and Trample is totally fine. Like, everything about this card is fine, but when you put it all together, it equals, like, fine plus. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay. In, in my auras, I'm totally okay with that. Like, I love auras, and I love heroic, and I love all the stuff that goes into those decks, but, like... I feel bad playing something like Armadillo Cloak. Like, you just... It's just... That's such a powerful card that I don't often find myself playing it. But just like... Like I said, these little rinky-dink effects, great. Throw it on a Seeker of the Way or throw it on a 1-1 or throw it on a Spirited Companion or whatever. Like, I am all about that kind of life in certain decks and this fits right into those... Uh, fits right into that narrative. Absolutely. Uh, oh, we went through red already. I guess we're down to green. Oh, I got Liam. just one more oh. red card I want to mention really quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um, it's called Sunshot Militia. It is a two oh, mana I didn't even one see this on your three. List. I'm sorry. I tried to move on. You're fine. Two mana one three human soldier with the ability tap two untapped artifacts and or creatures you control. Sunshot Militia deals one damage to each opponent. Activate only as a sorcery. Uh, I love these effects. I love these little red bodies that deal one damage to each opponent. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time, you have to cast instants and sorceries to make that happen. This one wants you to have a bunch of artifacts in play. So yep. if you've got a deck with lots of little treasures that are going to sit around, or lots of little map tokens, or food tokens that are going to sit around. Or even like the puzzle box that you're just kind of waiting to crack. It's just sitting there yeah. doing nothing. Like, you yeah. just tap it. Uh, I also love, like, the, the deck that this is going to get just windmill slammed into is Heiko. Because it's got all those little fiddly, like, you know, alchemist files and, you know, oh, bone yeah, splitters. Yeah, yeah. It's got mm -hmm. the ceremonial knife. Like, I can yeah. tap the knife for this, and I can tap the blood tokens for it to just, like... Like, the drains you're going to get off this guy in an artifact deck are going to be out of hand. Right. And I'm excited about it. <laughs> going to get out of hand, and I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, we got tokens just come with every card and every set nowadays. So we got treasures yeah. and bloods and maps and all this other stuff. So and I think equipment. that's going to be one where, like... You slam it in a deck, and then you slam it on the table, and people are like, okay, that's cool, it's fine, and whatever. And then, like, three turns later, they're like, how are we almost dead? Like, what right. is happening here? Because it's just, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, if so. if you happen, in, in throughout the course of your day-to-day -day lives, if you happen in the next, I don't know, half hour or so, to hear someone talking about a Boros equipment deck, 
please keep this card in mind as a really good card in a Boros equipment deck. Ooh. Yeah, because why does equ equipment doesn't care if it's tapped or not? Equipment doesn't care if it's tapped. Like the yeah. the sorcery speed tap restriction is 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 kind of heavy on this, because like if you're tapping your treasures for this guy, you don't get to use them for mana, and you have right. to make that decision in your main phase, and then just not have access to that mana for the rest of the turn cycle, which I think is a pretty good deal still. Like I would sack, I would Probably, tap treasures yeah. over and over and over sure. again to deal damage, but like it it is there's a cost associated with that. But like tap your equipment, that costs you nothing. Mm -hmm. Yep, and that is awesome. And uh, yeah, that be is super awesome. Yeah. Celebrated. So yeah, keep yep. keep that in mind. Boros equipment decks. Okay, now I'm done with red. Please go on to green. <laughs> awesome, Liam. How many green cards you got? Big fat zero. <gasps> Big fat zero. What? No blue. No simic. Nothing for Liam I, this set, huh? I, the blue and green are just very boring. They're just they <laughs> they do blue and green things, and that's boring. You that's you fair. heard it here first, everyone. Liam loves Mardu. Yeah. I mean, what was your first impression? Mardu for life. <laughs> what, what, uh, what gave you that impression? I'm very smart. I could see it. I see it as well. Yeah. I yeah. see those smarticle particles. Smarticle particles. True. Uh, all right. I'll start us off with green. I only got two green cards. Uh, the first one is somehow the wrong link. I put the wrong link in the show notes. But it is... Walk with Ancestors. This is a um, another Discover card. I was just looking for, not like Discover credit card. It's a dis card with Discover on it. Uh, for five mana, it's a sorcery. So not great there. But, you know, we'll see what it does. Uh, you can return up to one target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand and then Discover four. I, I like everything. It's similar to the red card that Dave talked about. Um, although this isn't going to go into Zada and be really, really ridiculous. Um, I, I like all the effects here. I like that it you can get a permanent back from your graveyard into your hand. Discover four seems nice in a green deck or green X deck. I just don't know about five mana for a sorcery for recursion, like returning one card to your hand from your graveyard. Like that seems like a lot for five mana, you know, or very little for five mana. So we're just going to have to see where it goes. I just, I'm a, Big, big fan of the Discover mechanic. So, and this is probably my favorite green card that has this on there. So, that's pretty much why I chose it. Not, not a lot of, uh, not, not a lot of other reasons. Just pretty much that. What do you think, Dave? Do you, do you like this? I love Walk with Ancestors. This is another one of okay, my absolute okay. favorite cards in the set. Because again, I just love Discover, and I love that this is gonna get you a relevant card back in your hand, and then cast something at random. Sure. I'm into that. Yeah, that's fair. And I like it. I'm definitely going to play with it. It'll go in multiple decks, and I'll just see how it turns out, basically. It also has a strong contender for the best art in the set. It is pretty uh, pretty sweet. It's remarkable. What do you got for green, Dave? You got anything? Liam had squat for green. What do you got? I have two little cards. Uh, neither of them I need to say a lot about, because they're just sort of like generically good. Sure. Uh, one of them is called Poison Dart Frog, which is another strong mm -hmm. best art in the set. Yeah, uh, for sure. This is a two mana one one with reach. It can tap to add one mana of any color, mm -hmm. and for two generic, you can give it Death Touch until end of turn. So this is a, a mana dork, a color fixing mana dork, that also blocks flyers and gives itself Death Touch. 
And uh, I love that versatility. I love little death touchers. I love yeah. Uh, I love cards that discourage people from attacking you. So sometimes I love being attacked. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I like I like that it's got a lot of utility. This is going to be an all star in the Togo Halana death touch. Oh sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, brother. If you're listening, poison dart frog, letting you know, <laughs> jam it. This is this is the one. It's it's the guy. Yeah, um, it's amazing how often a cheap, you know, one or two mana green creature with death touch will just hold the table off of you. Yeah. For like multiple turns in a row. Yeah. It's crazy. So yeah, this is awesome. The art is super sweet. For sure. The other exciting card that I want to talk about is mm-hmm. uh Seeker of Sunlight. Yeah. Which I'm going to I'm going to mix this up with Seeker of Skybreak literally every other time <laughs> I try to say this guy's name for the rest of sure. forever. This is a one mana one one Merfolk. It's got one ability, and that is for three mana, two and a green, it, it explores at sorcery speed. So sure. uh I love this as a mana sink. Mm-hmm. I yeah, love oh, yeah, that it sure. is gonna be a uh a little guy that is going to come down early and sort of affect board states and then late game, you know, it's going to, it's going to fix your draws and get bigger. And I'm here for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like green needs more of this, this, you know, cause green has the big mana, but green's going to run out of gas with its big mana. You, right. Being able to just do this over and over and over again to spend your spare mana. And then as you do it over and over again, you fix the draws and you'll, you'll get to the card that you love and you'll draw that, and then then you'll have something else to do with this mana, like all mm-hmm. while making this into you know a four four five five seven seven whatever. Like this is this is what green needs. A lot of green decks, I think, are really mm-hmm. excited about this. Yeah, needs somewhere to dump all that mana for sure. Exactly. That's my right. green. Yep, I got one green left. It is uh, an equipment. It is Malamet Scythe for two generic and a green. It's a flash equipment when it ETBs. Just like every other green equipment, you attach it to target creature you control. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, which is not small. Uh, but the equipped cost is four. So that's a little steep. But I do like, I, I like quite a bit that it, it has flash and it gets plus two, plus two. Like those, those two things combined makes me want to play this card. The equipped four, though, that's a little... I feel like I'm going to love this card when I get to do the thing with it during combat or, uh, you know, as a combat trick or what have you. But then, like, later when that creature's dead and I don't feel like paying four to equip this to another creature, then, like, I'll probably end up taking it out of a deck. But uh, on the surface, I, I I like it quite a bit. What do you think, Liam, as an equipment aficionado? I really don't like this. I was saying this during the uh, pre-show. I think all of the green common equipment they've been making for the last two or three years just sucks. Yeah. It's it's they always have an overcosted equipability because they always have flash and they always have ETB attach. And those two things right. are good, but I think just equip costs on common equipment being greater than three is obscene. Like when when we yeah, start getting four is gigantic right when we start getting to like rare and mythic equipment like okay now we can start talking because some of these abilities are cracked but like right equip four on a common that gives plus two plus two what are you doing like that's <laughs> so much better yeah. like I, i'd like to play it in a deck where it's 
flash, you know, it gets plus two, plus two auto equipped. And then like in order to avoid paying the four later, I can just sacrifice it to something. Right. <laughs> I, I would, I would rather see like, like the, the flash and attach target, like that's fine. I would rather see that accounted for in the mana cost of the card rather than the equip cost of the card. Because the moment sure, yeah, the yeah. thing this is attached to dies, this card becomes an un, uh, unusable permanent on your battlefield. Yeah, you better have a way to sacrifice it or something, or it's just gonna look. And, it's gonna taunt you the whole time. Right, right. I, I, I do not enjoy this this pattern, and and I understand that like green is not the color of artifacts. In fact, it is the opposite color of artifacts. Right, right? like like it is so anti artifact. That like if you're just going to make objectively bad cards like this, I'd rather you just not make them. <laughs> like, that's fair. I, that's fair. I'd yeah. rather just have an instant that gave a creature plus two plus two. For you know, I was three or four mana. I had, then I had then the this. same exact reaction to what was it, Rose. Thorn Halberd or whatever from original Eldrain that auto equipped and yada 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 is the green equipment. Um, I had the same exact reaction. I'm like, this is awesome. It's like a, this and that and auto equips, blah 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 blah. And I tried to play it so many times and it was just bad every time. Cause, and that equipped for like three, I think. No, Rose and Thorn equips for five. Does yeah. it equip for five? Holy it cow. Five. But it costs it one just... to cast. That's, yeah, it is yeah. one to cast. That's true. I, but I get even I with that rather, one, I just I would rather I was never impressed with it. The inflated cost because of the auto equip. I'd rather see that inflated cost be on the mana value of the card rather than the equip cost of the card. Yeah, four to equip seems super steep for not trample or not reach or something. I'll be the counterpoint here. I think <laughs> this is awesome. I like I... it. It's I put it on my list. I'm definitely gonna try it somewhere. I love having a low casting cost because to me, I mean, this. I, I'm going to compare this to something like Armor of Thorns or Warbriar Blessing, not Warbriar Blessing, whatever, whatever the three mana plus two plus two flash aura is, which does see play in a couple decks, uh, because it's a combat trick. Like th this combat trick is not bad and it sticks around. Like this is, I mean, aura synergies notwithstanding. This right. is better than the three mana plus two plus two flash aura, and that saw play. Mm -hmm. Like this, this allows you to like if the creature dies, like you would have lost the aura anyway. You get to keep the the equipment. If you have genuinely like four mana is not a great rate for that, but if you have literally nothing else to do with your mana, sure you'll you'll spend it to give another creature plus two plus two plus two plus two is not small. Oh yeah, or for sure. like if for you sure. got nothing, you can craft it. You can sacrifice it to an engine. Like I, I think this is great. For me, the cost. This reminds me a lot of the living weapon stuff and the uh, four Mirrodin stuff. Like oh, we have the a living weapon. That's a really good analogy. Yeah, right. Like Skinwing, I think is a. I think Skinwing's a terrific card. It's a four mana two two flyer. That if that flyer dies, you still have this plus two plus two and flying equipment, which is exorbitantly expensive. It costs six to yeah. equip. Uh -huh. But like I'm not paying for the equip cost, I'm paying for the creature. With this with this other thing, I'm not paying for the equip cost, I'm paying for the combat trick that's gonna stick around. 
Like it, it's a combat trick that that stays as long as that creature is still around. It's it's going to keep getting plus two plus two. It only stops being at that thing when that creature dies or gets bounced, and right. then you have to pay four. And I'm okay with that. Cool. I'm a fan too. I'm I'm definitely going to try it out. I think my only thing in encounter to that is that school of thought exists because of the way that the mana costs are aligned. And I've never been a what particularly it, what does that big mean? it it. It means that we think that way because that's how it is. And I, I've i never been a big fan of living weapon cards because of that fact. Because of, <gasps> because of the fact that it, once the creature dies, once the drum token dies, it the card is practically useless. Like, I'm not paying six mana to give something plus two, plus two, and fly. <laughs> no, not so much. Uh... Okay, to be fair, the only PDH deck I have that runs Skinwing is uh, Arden, because I'm also not spending six mana to give something plus two plus two. Because then it costs right. zero. <laughs> but with Arden around, like I love Skinwing. Right, but Skinwing Arden is, is the exception, not the rule. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah. I still like I'm not sprinting to put Skinwing in PDH decks, but it was a powerhouse in limited. Maybe maybe powerhouse is an exaggeration. It was a very playable card in limited because it gave me all of those options. It, it gave me right. the creature, and then if the creature died, it was still a card that stuck around that I could use as an artifact to sacrifice to something, or as an equipment that if I was desperate I could do something with. And I more I I am I've made peace with being extorted for mana. <laughs> in the name of flexible modality and that That's is fair. that is what i am paying for and that is what i want to be paying for yeah i guess as long as you know what you're getting into yeah but yeah i do like it that's why it's on, on my list i just uh i'll probably end up putting it in and taking it back out but i definitely want to give it a shot all right i do have one colorless on my list and then uh, i'll pass it over to you guys so i'll just do that one real quick it is a buried treasure for two generic mana it's an artifact it's a treasure artifact uh you can tap sacrifice buried treasure to add one mana of any color just like a regular treasure token uh, but what i love is that it for five generic so a total investment of seven mana you can exile buried treasure from your graveyard I guess not seven if you mill it or discard it or what have you. Uh, but you pay five and exile it from your graveyard to discover five. I'm a huge fan of that. We've already gushed on the discover mechanic quite a bit this episode. And this is colorless discover. It can literally go in any deck. And I'm I'm just here for it. Like, I'm just a huge fan of it. So I don't know what else I need to say about that. What do you think, Dave? I love that it discovers from your graveyard. Like, you don't have yeah. to be... You're not like, I mean, I guess you you spent a card to have it be a treasure, and that's not a great use of a card slot. But then, like, you're not spending a second card to, to get this discover, which I think is pretty cool. Right. Uh, you're just I'm casting not, it straight from your graveyard. Yeah. I'm not generically excited about this card. Like, I, I recognize that it could go into any deck. I'm not going to put it into every deck. I'm going to put mm -hmm. it into decks that are going to self-mill. And be able sure. to take advantage yeah. of that discover without having to like spend a card from hand on a treasure. And I'm going to put it into Kalein because it is a treasure. Because it is itself a treasure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's not gonna go like in every deck that needs an artifact slot, but you know, if I feel like brewing up some silly, you know, Sphinx of the Guild Pact or five color shenanigans or even three uh -huh. color shenanigans, like let's just, you know, just do some fun stuff. Dot deck. Yeah, the fixing's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. 
Um, that's all I got for Carlos. What do you got, Dave? Looks like you got a couple on your list. Uh, yeah. The the one that I want to mention very briefly is called Hunter's Blowgun, which is a one mana equipment equips for two mana to give the creature plus one plus one and death touch on your turn reach on your opponent's turn um and i want to talk about this because this is the first time we've ever had access to a death touch equipment at colorless so this is like white's first access to death touch yeah and blue's first access to death touch so uh there's lots of decks that like have wanted death touch for a long time and just had no access to it private previously and now you have exactly one card (laughs) that can give you death touch and you don't have to like sacrifice it to give it death touch or anything like that like you just get it it has to be your turn but yeah it's yeah it's only death touch on your turn but uh, i just think that this is a great great way to spread death touch into the other colors at common Mm -hmm, which we for sure did not have before the other card that i'm just really excited about and probably probably unreasonably excited about like i'm not sure this card deserves as much excitement as i'm throwing at it but i i just can't get over it it's called runaway boulder this is a six mana artifact with flash so this is a six mana instant with the artifact type uh that says when it when it enters the battlefield it deals six damage to target creature and opponent controls after it has done six damage it does nothing it just sits there it hangs out it's just vibing uh, it's just chilling. I love this because like we've had cards in the past like uh ominous parcel and blood tallow candle which provide colorless with this ability to just, you know, spend again an extortionate amount of mana to do a removal thing. Like blood tallow candle is I think I think it's a one mana artifact that lets you pay 6 tap sacrifice it to give a creature minus 5 minus 5. Or Ominous Parcel, again, I think one mana artifact that lets you spend, I think, five mana tap sacrifice to deal four damage to something. I might have some of these numbers wrong, but like we've we've had many of these in the past, where these 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 rattlesnakes, we call them, where they, they sit in play and you can activate them some other time to kill a creature. And I kind of dislike how telegraphed that is. If I'm gonna be killing something at instant speed and spending six mana to do it, I want it to be a surprise. Oh, so yeah. having having the six mana removal spell in colorless that does it from hand instead of from the battlefield, I think is very good. And I like that after it is done that you still have this artifact just hanging out and you can use it to craft, you can use it to sacrifice to something, you can animate it with animating fairy, uh, you can start attacking people with a runaway boulder. I think that that would be outstanding. I love this card in limited because of its uh, synergies with craft. Because the thing that I haven't mentioned yet is that it has cycling. So if you don't want to spend six mana on an instant speed colorless removal spell, <laughs> you can just spend two mana to discard it and draw a card. And then you can still craft it from your graveyard. Yeah, use that boulder to craft something later. Yep. I think this is going to be an all-star and limited. I'm excited to put sure, it in yeah, yeah. Uh, my colorless deck. Yep. And I just think it's funny. Yeah, it's super funny. It's hilarious. That's uh, the, it's the end of my colorless. Good card. Good card. I like it. Uh, Liam, you kind of have colorless cards on your list. What do you got? Yeah. Uh, so I've got all the lands on my list. Okay. First one I want to mention is just Captivating Cave. This is a reprint of Cave of Temptation, except it has the cave subtype. 
Uh, so it'll mm -hmm. tap for a colorless. You can filter mana through it, and you can pay four to uh, sacrifice it and put two counters on target creature. Why they didn't just reprint Cave of Temptation and then functionally errata it to be a cave, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. But I'll sure. absolutely take a second one of this land. Like, I, I play this land. I play Cave of Temptation in a lot of decks. I'll take a second one. The other one is Promising Vein. You can tap it to add a colorless, or you can pay one to sacrifice it to go search your library for a basic land. It is a, I guess, a worse like Evolving Wilds. It's a, it's a Shire Terrace. But it is Shire a strictly yep. better panorama, also known as Shire Terrace. Uh, I appreciate that this one. Yeah, I appreciate that this one is set into the multiverse of magic and not a universes beyond. Uh, it's also neat that it has the. Are you are you Hobbit subtype. racist? <gasps> Hobbitist. 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 Sure. No, I'm just appreciating that we have a magic version <laughs> of a universe yeah. beyond card. Um, and then there's another. There's a cycle of cards in this this set. That is uh, the Hidden Cave Cycle. So it's uh, five cards, one of each color. or well, I guess colorless, but one of each color identity. They all yeah. enter the battlefield tapped. They tap for their appropriate color. And you can pay four and the color, tap and sacrifice the land to discover four, activate as a sorcery. Yep. This is kind of neat. I like that they brought Cave all the way down to common to kind of support it through yeah. all the rarities. Uh, yep. Something I, I think that the Cave subtype has been... Much better extrapolated than the sphere subtype was in All Will Be One. Oh my lord! Although, yes. yeah. In fairness, there are nine spheres, or there were nine spheres of Phyrexia, so only having nine spheres kind of made sense. But the caves having, I think it's like eighteen or nineteen in the whole set, and like seven or eight of them are commons. Like that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. and, and I think there's a direct comparison to be made to the uh, the sphere cycle that we got in All Will Be One. So. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think these will make their way into some decks, not all decks. I mean, play them if you have them, but yeah. Yeah, and I like that they're, you know, obviously they're they're building this kind of thing, you know, lands at common with set mechanic on them or what right. have you, or, or strictly built for limited. But yeah, like you said, the spheres, we had the um, the sack lands from New Capenna that you could draw a card. We have these now that give you discover, like they're finding ways to give common level cards not just really good mana fixing like they're making them interesting enough that you'll play them outside of their color for reasons outside of just having producing right. red or white or whatever i like that quite a bit i yeah. love these caves yeah i'm a big fan I, I love i love that we have lands that let you cascade because that seems really entertaining i love how many cards in this set care about caves uh, I think caves, like alongside craft, like I'm really excited about the cave archetype in limited. It's just going to be really like there's a there's a blue there's sorry there's a green card. It's one of these you know artifacts that has an ETB and then you can craft it later. The ETB is uh, you look at the top six cards of your library and you put a land into play from among them. And then the craft with it later is that it crafts with a cave. And I think that card is like the coolest thing. I'm like trying <laughs> so hard to find a deck that that is like because I, I want to run this into my, my green big mana decks, but I can only put three caves into a green deck. I need to find a deck that can run more caves. Like if, I might I might try to put this into like the slivers deck because that's a three color deck with green. Yeah, sure. I gotta I have, I have a lot of thinking to do. I gotta figure out I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do with these cool cool cave cards. 
Yeah, they are pretty, pretty cool. I like them quite I a bit. am into them. I, I think the most amusing thing to me about the cave, the cards that care about caves, is it's it's a rare. It's uh, called Cosmium Confluence. So Cosmium is supposed to be like the next big thing that multiple parties are fighting over. Like it's the next power source of the multiverse or, or something. And they chose to make a confluence card, which is a fairly popular type of card that deals directly with Cosmium, but the mechanics are so parasitic <laughs> to caves. The three options are uh, destroy, I think it's artifact or enchantment. It might just be enchantment. Uh, you search for a cave or you get to animate a cave. Like, something that is so parasitic to a set when it has a name that shouldn't be that parasitic is just amusing to me. Hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up the uh, commons that sort of uh, piqued our interest here. Uh, we wanted to go through each. Uh, we picked out a few uh, uncommons each to sort of talk about, and these are not going to be part of the signpost discussion. These are just sort of like extra uncommon creatures that we thought might be interesting to build around or that we kind of have our eye on that sort of thing i'll go ahead and start us off here my first one is scythe claw raptor it's a mono red commanders two generic and a red for a four three creature dinosaur and whenever a player casts a spell if it's not their turn scythe claw raptor deals four damage to them seems fun um i'm pretty um suspicious on how often <laughs> it's actually gonna work because they have to kind of like play into my game plan, which Mono Red's really not great at baiting people into doing. But it's an effect we don't really have, and four damage is a lot. If you can actually pair up against you know the right table or the right opponent, like four damage for every spell or even every other spell, like that adds up super quick. So, uh, what do you think, Dave? Do you like this uh, dinosaur? Is it too? Mm. It's not fragile. I don't know what the word is I'm trying to think of, but it's not fragile necessarily. It just may not always do anything for you yeah i i love the dinosaur i love that it it's sort of like a to me it's a harkening back to uh like a bunch of really really old red cards they used to print occasionally in in the 90s things like citadel of pain yeah uh that just punishes you for trying to interact on other players turns and price of glory (laughs) is like my favorite uh whenever a player taps a land for mana during another player's turn destroy that land holy cow i i love these like you can do the thing but it is going to be like it is going to cost you and you're going to regret doing the thing just like yes i love that so much like these cards like the flavor text on them might as well be like i hate counter spells and you will too (laughs) you will too like (laughs) i love your face right I love that style of card. I don't know if it's going to be an effective PDH commander because, like you said, like if someone is trying to play the 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 Drago control and you're like four damage every time, like they're going to suffer for it. But if someone's like, I'm playing Slivers, they're going to be like, they're just not even going to read your commander. Yeah, it's they won't be, care at all. <laughs> it's going to be a complete non-issue for them. So like, yep, I'm certainly guilty of building commanders that just don't have any impact against certain decks like night of dusk shadow stops life gain (laughs) and like one in six decks it just absolutely ruins and five and six decks don't care yep and i've made my peace with that yeah so i think i think you should build the scythe call raptor and just 
Like try to find those one and six decks and just and just roll with it. Ruin their day. Yep. I'm all about that, especially mono red. It just feels just feels right. Exactly. Uh, what do you got on your uncommon list, Dave? I have three cards Ooh, that mechanically okay. I am really, really excited about. Three cards um, and 17 question marks. Three cards and 17 question marks. I think all three of these cards are things that I'm I'm intrigued by, but they absolutely do not have the support at the common level to actually build a deck right now. Sure. Uh, the easy, obvious one is Earthshaker Dreadmaw. This is a six mana, six, six Trampler. It is, it is a Colossal Dreadmaw. Plus, plus, when it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other dinosaur you control. Right. Which is incredibly beautiful, and I cannot get enough of that ability, but there are only about 20 mono green common dinosaurs, including yeah. changelings, and that's not enough. Three years from now, when there are 30 or 40 common dinosaurs, I will, I will play this deck every single game for a solid Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, Because it's going to be that fun. But right yeah. now, it's not there. <laughs> and that makes me sad. Right. Uh, speaking of not enough dinosaurs not being there making me sad, there's also, if if you are a cheating cheater who cheats Ooh, a lot... Cheats a lot, yeah. There's another card that cares about dinosaurs. This one is Mono Red. The name mm -hmm. of the card is Sahili's Lattice. This is the red uncommon version of this artifact with an ETB ability that doesn't do anything else afterwards until you craft it and transform it into something else. Yeah. The ETB, it's a two mana ETB for a tormenting voice. Yep. You discard a card and then draw two. And then this one can craft with one or more dinosaurs for five mana. Interesting. It, it transforms into a four toughness artifact creature with total power with, with power equal to the total combined power of the exiled cards used to craft it that seems like it could get silly it seems like it could it seems like it could reliably get silly if there were more than 20 common <laughs> source uh, that is true that is true we once again have a problem with uh density this Mastercraft Raptor is not there yet. Someday it's going right. to be, but it's not Close. there. Close. Close. The third card that I think is mildly interesting but not there yet is called Abyssal Gore Stalker. Hell this yeah. is a mono black 6 mana 6-6 six, six horror that's just a giant double flesh bag. When it comes yeah. into play, each player sacrifices two creatures. Yep. I have visions of uh -oh. casting this putting its ETB on the stack, sacrifice two creatures, ETB on the stack, hitting it with the demonic gifts <laughs> so that when I sacrifice it, it comes right back and everyone is sacrificing four creatures. This is uh, Wrath of God in the command zone. Oh, yeah, it certainly is. Look at that. And, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Wrath of God that just punches through indestructibility. <laughs> like, this is, this is crazy board control. This is no one gets to have creatures. No one gets to have fun. Yeah. And my vision, I have a vision for a deck that uses this and then that uses all of the dogged pursuit and ill-gotten inheritance and trespassers curse and onyx goblet. Just all of these like enchantments and artifacts, things that aren't creatures. Right. But like enchantments that will slowly drain the temple. 
that's my idea for a deck, but there aren't enough of those. There aren't enough ill-gotten inheritances or like we're getting a new one in this set that is also an edict. Right. And even with that one, I don't think we have quite enough. And that's a deck. Once we have enough, I want to play that deck exactly once and then never touch it ever again. <laughs> yep. Cause it is mono black. No fun. It is mono black. No fun allowed. No one gets to have yep. creatures. Yep. And I don't, I want to, I want to experiment with that as a proof of concept thing, but I don't actually want to own or have that deck ever. Sure. So those are my three commanders that I like the idea of, but I'm not going to be building because I think that they are not there yet. Talk to me again in four years when there's another 20,000 magic cards in circulation. Right. Exactly. Uh, Liam, you got any uh, not signposts you want to mention? Uh, I am going to be boring again. I do not have any non-signposts I want to mention. I have lots of signposts I'll mention, though. Awesome. Why well, do you have one more non-signpost uncommon? Um, where, where do we go here? Here we go. I don't even know how interesting it is. I just like the effect of it seems funny to me. It is Tendril of the Mycotyrant. It's a generic and a green for a 2-2 fungus wizard at uncommon. But for seven mana, five and two green, it's not a tap ability. You can do it as much as you have mana for. Uh, five and two green, you can put seven plus one plus one counters on target non-creature land you control. It becomes a fungus and with haste, and it's still a land. That's it. It doesn't become a fungus with haste until the end of turn. It just becomes a giant fungus with haste that still taps for mana. And I'm kind of cool with that from the command zone. So yeah, forever. So seems super fun. I it's almost like what you were just talking about, Dave. Like this this Myco Tyrant isn't nearly as oppressive as the Gorekeeper or what have you. But it seems like one of those that I'll build, and I'll it'll probably take me longer to build the deck than I'll actually keep it around. Like I'll play a game or two with it and be like, oh, that's what it does. Okay, I can use these cards in other decks now. Like I'm good. I've I've scratched that itch. I'm good. So. But it seems fun. 7-7 seven, seven land is pretty big. Yeah, I like and that 7-7 have... seven, seven land guy. Yeah, me too. Cool. I think that pretty much uh, wraps up the normal uncommons and the regular commons as well. Uh, let's get into our little bitty 3x3 uh, three three signpost building episode here. How did we want to start this off? Did you just want to get right into it? Or who wants to start us off, actually? Uh... Just just a really quick recap for what what we're doing here. We're um, yeah yeah yeah. Good call. We used to do the 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 three by three as a separate thing. We'd have a whole separate episode where we would we would do a really deep dive into what the signpost. We would each pick one signpost and we would say, here's what this signpost wants you to do in a draft. If you draft this card early and you want to build a deck that that really utilizes this ability, here's the me- here's the set mechanics that are going to support that. Here's mm-hmm. the cards you want to look out for. Here's what your draft deck should look like. And and here's here's the the game plan for that sort of signpost mechanical identity. Right. And then we would transition from there into let's say you really enjoyed that draft and you want to build a PDH deck out of this card. What well, how are you going to transition this deck you made from a forty card draft environment into a one hundred card eternal? You get to use commons from all of Magic's history. How are you right. going to support this <laughs> game plan? We are not doing all of that. We are not doing pillars. We are going to just sort of go through these very briefly. We are going to talk about what uh, 
what each signpost kind of represents within the 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 limited environment of the set and like mm -hmm. if what what that sort of limited deck would look like if you wanted to go really hard on that idea but we're going to do that very briefly and then we're going to transition into if you want to build a pdh deck out of this what should that look like pretty briefly so we're gonna i think we're gonna hit all nine signpost creatures the 10th signpost is an artifact Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It certainly but, is. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Boom, boom, boom. We're gonna start with I think the most mechanically iconic creature. Good old Bart. About? Good old Bart. Yep. Uh, we'll start off here. Probably as a uh, surprise to absolutely zero people out there. Um, I picked the Orzov uncommon signpost creature. It is Bartolome del Presidio. Presidio. Uh, it's a vampire knight, legendary creature vampire knight, if you want to play an EDH. You can sacrifice another creature or artifact to put a plus one, plus one counter on uh, Bart, El Barto. And it starts out as a 2-1, which isn't ideal, but it is only two mana, so that's not backbreaking. I think in limited, what you're going to want to do is you're gonna, going to... Um, all these artifacts that we talked about at the common level earlier in the episode, they're cheap, they're expendable... Some of them, you want them in the graveyard so you can craft your next artifact. You can flip into those cards if you want. That's totally fine. That's something you can do. I love the fact that you can sacrifice artifacts to the uh, to Bart here because we have a ton of Orzov. Like, Orzov uncommon creatures are generally for aristocrat strategies. It's just That's what everybody knows. It's generally what they are. But usually it's... You're sacrificing creatures, and that's pretty much it. This one, you get the sacrifice creature or an artifact, which is super nice. We got a ton of artifacts in this set. You can draft a ton of artifacts at common. You know, just sort of scrolling through the white and black commons in this set for the limited environment. You know, we've got four or five white artifacts. We've got three or four black artifacts, Like you, and then all the colorless ones. Like, you could build a whole deck, just a couple of these guys and artifacts, like, and then two, we've got a couple token creators at common, like Envoy of the Okinek Ahu. I don't know how to say that. Uh, the cat advisor that for five mana you can make a colorless, a one-one colorless gnome artifact creature token. We have things like that. We got the cheap bird that's one mana that Dave mentioned earlier. Um, it loves to die to Bart because then you get to explore things like that. We've got other creatures that care about sacrifice strategies or when they enter the battlefield, you can sacrifice another creature like the one, like the um, glorif glorifier of suffering that ETBs, you can sack a creature, put counters on it that Liam talked about earlier. There's so many like just aristocratic type strategies and effects in this set. Like, I don't know how you're going to prioritize them, but I think Bart needs to be kind of at the top of that list. Like, in black, we've got Acolyte of Aklazots or something, Vampire Cleric. You can sacrifice another creature. You can drain your opponent or drain each opponent. Um, there's just so many different ways to kill your creatures, sacrifice your creatures, sacrifice your map tokens, your cheap artifacts. Um, Mephitic Drought is one I probably should have put on my list at black. It's a two-mana generic and a black for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield or is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card and lose a life. Like, it's Black's version of Icar Wellspring, and I'm totally here for it. I love that card quite a bit. So all these things sort of add up, and you're not just getting value off when they die. You're getting value because your 
um, your Elbarto, your Bart, is growing bigger and bigger and bigger and becoming a bigger threat and a bigger threat. And we've got the spell that gives all your creatures hexproof. You know, you can protect them from uh, removal spells and that sort of thing. So I basically think just as a PDH deck, I'm going to lean into that exact strategy. Uh, probably a little heavier on the artifact side of it, just because that's sort of a novel uh, concept to me in Orzov. So I like that, you know, with the Iker Wellsprings and the Nimble Rite schematics and the, um, what's the one that does the treasures, the prize statue that sort of thing. So maybe some artifact creatures, but just anything that generally will replace itself or put another card in my hand when it dies. And it's not a tap ability. You can do it at instant speed if you want to build sort of the Voltron style, which is totally an option. But I'm more interested in just sort of like the value, you know, sacrifice this to get that, you know, just put more cards in my hands, sort of like cardboard dot deck, if you will, you know, fill the deck with uh, blood tokens and treasure tokens and maybe some map, map tokens and all these other things that just put random pieces of cardboard on the table that I can sacrifice to Bart and we'll just go from there. I'll have to have some creatures in there to sacrifice, but I love the idea of sacrificing artifacts. Like I'm a huge fan of aristocrats, but I really love sacrificing artifacts to other things as opposed to creatures. Like if I had the choice, I would sacrifice nothing but artifacts to my abilities, but uh, you usually get the better ones when you sacrifice creatures. So I think that's generally it for Elbarto here. It's, it's straightforward. It's super straightforward. Like this was almost a, a cheat type of pick here because it's so straightforward. It just does it has one line of text on its on its card and it does exactly what you want it to do. And you just need to fill your deck with all the things that can replace themselves, hopefully. Or you just get value when they die, or value from them being in the graveyard, like with your craft abilities and all that. So, uh, what do you got, Dave? Or did you have anything about Bart you wanted to add here? Uh, I think you've covered Bart very thoroughly. Okay, cool. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, everyone's favorite Tostino's Pizza Roll <laughs> Boyer. Uh-huh. Zowoya, the uh, I think you did that pretty well. Lava tongue. Zowoya is a two mana two two goblin warlock in Rakdos colors. Mm -hmm. He has death touch, and he has a descend ability. At the beginning of your end step, if you descended this turn, which means if a permanent card was put into your graveyard from anywhere, each opponent may discard a card or sacrifice a permanent zawoya does three damage to each opponent who didn't so in limited this is going to want you to just descend make sure you're descending every turn uh you can do that with self mill there's a lot of black cards that mill you a couple things in in the set you can do that with cycling there's a lot of really outstanding one of the one of the cards that we didn't mention at all i think is there's a whole cycle of land cycling dinosaurs uh that oh, are all yeah. really good not only because of their versatility in that they can cycle you to get a land or they're just massive ridiculous beaters <laughs> they're also good because they trigger descended they 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 put permanent cards into your graveyard from your hand if you cycle right them. just outstanding value there uh, so you can mill, you can cycle, you can sacrifice things. You're in black and red. Black and red have a have a ton of sacrifice outlets. There's a there's a four mana three three carrion feeder, essentially. It lets you pay a black mana and sacrifice something and to put a plus one plus one counter on it and it gains menace. 
yeah. Vito's something, Vito's Knight, maybe. I don't know. There's tons of sacrifice engines in the set that lets you make sure that you're definitely going to hit this descended trigger every turn. Mm-hmm. And if you can keep this pressure on with the descended trigger, uh, every single turn you're going to pull one. You're going to pull a resource out of your opponent. You're going to discard a card or sacrifice a permanent, or they're going to lose life. Yep. And uh, that's just going to be a lot of pressure all the time. Uh, the first time I saw this, I was sort of like lukewarm on it. I thought that it was not going to be really powerful as an ability. And I didn't really take into account the fact that this is going to start happening like on turn two. Yes. And it's mm-hmm. never going to stop. And it doesn't it's need to never be powerful <laughs> if it's that persistent and irritating. Right. So I've started looking. Scooby Scooby's a big, uh, big proponent of the Totino Pizza Roll Goblin. And I, after looking at his deck, I can absolutely understand why. This deck looks like an absolute blast to play. To play uh, with, not against. Yeah, I <laughs> I would play against this deck very happily. I think this looks amazing. It's just like there's so many things in it that are just going to be really irritating forever. And I just want to experience that. Like, That's uh, true. Yeah, t- That's true tons of cards that are going to let you you know make sure that you're hitting those delir- the the descended triggers things that sacrifice themselves little lands Ooh, that you, sacrifice you themselves. almost said delirium i almost said delirium <laughs> it's um, dangerously close to delirium tortured existence this is an outstanding tordex deck yeah. Oh, uh, yeah mind swords oh i love that card I oh that exiles that though card. doesn't it you sacrifice a creature Instead of oh, you sacrifice cost, a creature and, pay, and of pay then yeah. each player exiles two cards from their hand. I was thinking so like your mind rake, like yeah. I was thinking of a discard effect, but mind swords yeah. exiled. But yeah, I totally forgot you could sacrifice a creature to it. So yeah, you sacrifice the creature, and that triggers that turns on your descend, and then everyone's losing two cards from their hand, which just is putting the pressure Forever. on those resources. And like siphon mind, Tasker's cruelty, uh, burglar rat is a little yeah. creature that you can it's just so irritating yep. and i love that for us i love that for <laughs> scooby and for me and for the entire pdh community scooby you're a genius yep uh yeah that's that's my uh that's my championed three by three edition signpost totino's pizza rolls totino's pizza rolls brought to you by scooby drew <laughs> All right, Liam, what signpost did you pick for this week? So I had a selection of signposts that, that I was interested okay. in. One, the first one was uh, Itzquint, the firstborn of Gishath. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one was uh, Captain Storm, Cosmium Pillager, I think. Cosmium something. Uh, and the third one, which is the one that I ended up going with, was Caparocti Sunborn. So dinosaurs, pirates, and equipment. And how did I decide which one to talk about just now? Well, in the pre-show, I ran a poll in the Patreon Discord, uh, <laughs> and somehow the conversation devolved into talking about tools. Uh, yeah, so that's the one I went with. And yep. so I've got this red-white signpost commander that's reading about tapping down uh, artifacts and creatures to discover. So... We are utilizing that that equipment advantage that we've talked about earlier with a couple of the other commons, where equipment still work if they're tapped. So if we are 
tapping those down when our commander attacks to discover, we are effectively cascading into more spells. Now, this is definitely a Boros equipment deck, but the key here is that this is not a Boros Voltron deck. It is an equipment deck that is utilizing the equipment for extra value to cascade. And the idea is that we are cascading into either more equipment or spells that make tokens, which are bodies, which we can spread our equipment out across to attack wide. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that, Dave? Uh, I muted myself. Come on. Uh, I almost <laughs> I almost made it through an episode without doing this to myself. Um, no, I have. there's nothing that I need to add to that. I think you summarized it perfectly. Uh, you have to very carefully distinguish between Boros Equipment, which is awesome, and uh, Boros Voltron, which is going to get Caparocti Capra, murked. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. I lied. There's one thing I want to add to it, and it's uh, what's the card that I was very, very like ham-fistedly saying needed to be talked about in the context of a Boros Equipment deck? Sunshot Militia. Yes. That's the one. Yep. Tap two untapped artifacts and or creatures you control. Deals one damage to each opponent. Yep. That's the body you, you need. You have to play that in this deck, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. That's all, that's all I wanted to add. All right. Well, that's that's all I've got for this. It is a Boros tools deck that is using the tools to make more bodies, attach tools to them, and turn sideways. I love yeah, all of those I, game I like actions. It. And it's, I, I like that that's what you ended up building. You ended up building a Boros equipment deck. But I like that we got a Boros signpost commander that didn't have the words equipment on it. You know, because they're always so like, oh, here's the Boros command or Boros uncommon creature. Or they care about equipment. Like this one can be built in a few different ways because it doesn't pigeonhole you into having to draft or having to build around equipment. Like Dave was saying, you could do equipment, or you could do uh, Voltron style, or whatever. Like you have quite a few options because it doesn't put you on that one particular rail. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Exactly. Uh, Dave, looks like you got a couple honorable mentions here. Do you want to go through them? Yeah, I sure would love to go through them. Um, the two like honorable mentions that I want to mention very briefly are the 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 Selesnia signpost is named Kutzil, and I want to talk about mm-hmm. it because it seems busted absolutely wide open. I do not know how to process this card. This <laughs> is a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three that says your opponents can't cast spells during your turn, and whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to opponent, if, if your creatures have more power than their base power, which means mm-hmm. they have an or they have a buff or they have a counter uh, basically kind of like an augment situation yep uh, you draw a card for each opponent each 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 time you damage an opponent with with one or more creatures that yep. have more power than their base power so it's a card draw engine that protects your combat step against fogs and murders and counter spells <laughs> and like and then it draws you cards which I am trying to figure so like as I was going through the, the the pre-show trying to figure out like, you know, which which signposts are we talking about and which, you know, 
what mechanically unique thing are they going to do that's related to the set? I was trying to figure mm -hmm. out what kind of mechanic this thing related to for the set, and I've decided that it is busted Selesnya good stuff, I guess. I don't even know what archetype Kutzil is. That's the name of the archetype that this is supporting in LCI Limited. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's what you have to tell people you're playing. Yeah, it's it's actually in the release notes for the set. Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> busted Selesnya good stuff, I guess. I don't even know. Yeah, because so it is. It's that's... just like you know, it's not Orzov aristocrats, it's not Boros, uh, whatever equipment, and it's not uh, Golgari graveyard or Dredge or whatever. Like it's literally just Selesnya go to combat. Yeah, it's just good stuff. It's like how to reward yourself for playing Magic with Magic cards. Yeah, yeah. Selesnya uh... play the game. Yeah, Selesnya play the game. That's yep. that's the archetype, and it's beautiful. And I and I want is. you to it's build this beautiful. in limited, and I want you to build it in PDH, and I want you to lend it to me when you do because it's going to be remarkable. Yeah. Um, but it For doesn't sure. have a well-defined archetype in mm -hmm. LCI limited. I think the other commander I want to talk about has the exact opposite problem, and that is the uh, Simic merfolk his name is nikanzil he gives you a payoff every time that you explore and the payoff is really good and it is worth it and if you have him in lci limited you can absolutely build a powerhouse of an explore deck with all the map tokens all the explore abilities all the everything like he's going to make your exploring incredible and if you try to turn that into a PDH deck, you will find yourself catastrophically disappointed by the fact that there are approximately 10 Explore cards at common in those colors. Yeah. And you just, like, you're going to have a Simic Good Stuff deck that sometimes explores, sometimes not really ever <laughs> get sad about it. Right. Yeah. So... Probably super I'm gonna fun file... in, you know, standard or pioneer or limited or whatever, but just not. Or even, even in EDH, I feel like if you open this sure. up to rares, you probably have enough. There's probably enough exploring it, like rare and uncommon, that Nikonzil is super fun in EDH. Sure. Well, but it if, is just if you want to do Simic explore in EDH, you just use the new Mofolk face commander because that just makes everything explore all the time. Oh. Oh. Yeah. All right. Do you not know what I'm talking about? I don't pay I don't attention to rares. Uh, let so. me find it. I I, I was too. Uh... Uh, no, find it later. I don't care about it. It is. Tell me about other. <laughs> it is Hawkball no, already... of the Surging Soul. Two green and a blue for a three. -three I've already stopped listening. Morfolk Scout. At the beginning of combat on your turn, each Morfolk you control explodes. Cool. Tell me about dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, let's hear some dinosaurs and pirates. All right. So Pantlazar, son favored. Now I'm just messing. The dinosaurs. Uh, so Itzkinth, firstborn of Gishath, was a creature that just kind of came out of nowhere kind of at the end of the season. The, na the name is very neat, being like, you know, related to Gishath, uh, the, the head dino from original Ixalan block. Two mana for a 2-3 with haste. It's pretty solid. It has another ability that when it enters the battlefield, you may pay two generic. And when you do, target dinosaur you control deals damage equal to its power to another target creature. That yeah. would be a fantastic ability if it was an attack trigger. Being on an enters the battlefield yeah. on a gruel creature makes it super awkward. Yeah, I mean, like, how many flicker spells can gruel possibly have? I, oh, wait. I believe zero. the answer is zero. 
yes. <laughs> so like you would literally have to make it work with things like invasive species and ancestral statue and all this right. other stuff that you're just taking out dinosaur slots for. Right. It's it's not particularly amazing. Yeah. So the next one I want to talk about is pirates, because what's Ixalan known for besides dinosaurs? It's pirates. Captain yep. Storm Cosmium Raider, not Pillager, is blue and red for a 2-2 human pirate. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you put a plus one plus one counter on target pirate you control. I believe this is the newest iteration of Captain Lannery Storm. I, I could be wrong, but mm-hmm. I believe it's the, supposed to be the same character. I, I think this is solid. Like, yeah. artifacts entering, putting counters on pirates. Pirates are pretty big. Like, the pirates from Ixalan and the pirates from Commander Legends also had a, a, a pretty decent equipment sub-theme. So, like, the mm-hmm. equipment are already kind of a thing that you kind of expect with the pirates. In addition to that, a lot of the pirate theme spells have, like, treasures attached to them. So if you're just doing equipment slash vehicles slash treasures and, you you know, that's your artifact theme, I think just generically making some of your good attackers slightly bigger is good. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. this isn't this isn't Malcolm Breach's Malcolm Kettis levels of, of bonkers, but I, I think it's just no, it certainly seems fun. Generically though. good seems fun. Yeah, we've got plenty of artifacts just floating around. We get a lot of them for free nowadays. So. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like uh, a, a combat buff. It's not like plus one, plus oh till the end of turn. Like that's a legit plus one, plus one counter. Yeah, like forever counter. So yeah, seems good for two mana. Seems real good. Yeah, sweet. That's all I got. Uh, all right. Well, I got a couple here that I wanted to go over as well. Um, first one up is Aqua. Akawali, the Seething Tower. This is one that got a lot of uh, attention when it was spoiled. It's a generic and a black and a green for a 3-3 fungus, legendary fungus. It has Descend of 4, and as long as there are 4 or more permanents in your graveyard, Akawali, the Seething Tower, gets plus 2, plus 2, and has Trample. So uh, it'll be a 5-5 with Trample. If you have Descend 8, if there are 8 or more permanent cards in your graveyard, it gets an additional plus 2, plus 2, and cannot be blocked by more than one creature. So if you can keep that graveyard stocked, you're looking at a 7-7 with Trample and cannot be blocked by more than one creature. Like that For 3 mana, Like that's beautiful. Dave mentioned a Tortured Existence deck earlier. This is a great Tortured Existence deck. Uh, huge self-mill deck. Uh, maybe a little bit of a, a aristocrats type stuff where you're wanting to sacrifice your creatures, but yeah, just self mill, fill the graveyard, and then once you've got a Kawali online, we've got a lot of protection spells in green to keep it alive. We've got a lot of pump spells if you want to make it bigger for some reason, but basically it's just a Golgari commander that cares about the graveyard and punching people in the face. Like, sometimes you don't find both of those things on one creature, and this one does them both, so I thought this was really, really awesome. And I know we've, just our patron members alone in our Discord, I've seen two or three decks built already for this for this little fungus. So it uh, seems super fun. I might actually try to build this one in paper. We'll just see where uh, the decks sort of shake out. I know I kind of have an idea of where I want it to go, but we'll see where it ends up. You like You like the fungus, Dave? I do. I think the fungus is very interesting. I think that yeah. getting up to Descend 8 is going to be not only easy, but also, like, fun to yes. do. Yeah. With, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, the the self-mill, you get to you get to do self-mill, you get to do cycling, you get to do 
your flashback marauders. I think I think the process of getting those eight permanents in your graveyard is going to be entertaining. And then I think that once they're there, then you get to like play around with the graveyard a lot because you're still going to be doing the self mill off of your you know voyaging satyrs and your right uh, grim discoveries. Um, so you're still going to be filling up your graveyard. So with your graveyard that full, being able to pull a bunch of cards out with something like escape or unearth or flashback, you probably don't want too much flashback because you want to be very, more, much more permanent heavy than spell heavy. But like yeah, for the, sure. the buried treasure stuff, this is a deck that really wants to mill buried treasure and then hit that yeah. cascade <laughs> once it's in your graveyard. And like, I just, yeah, I exactly. love decks that exactly. play out of their graveyard and decks that play out of the graveyard and also are helmed by a three mana seven seven with evasion like that seems right? pretty fun yeah it seems super fun like i was I'm pretty like, interested in building uh old man willow from lord of the rings but this might take its place yeah and like what what is someone gonna do about uh three mana seven seven yeah with trample like, and sorry you can only block think, it with one creature are they gonna kill it and then you'll recast your 7-7 seven, seven for 5? Or are they going right. to kill it and you're going to be like, dope, I'll send it to the graveyard. I'll cast Unearth for a single yeah, black mana it's... and put my 3-mana commander back into play, idiot. <laughs> like, what do you like? Dummy. <laughs> once, once this thing is on, like, how do you stop it? Like, I don't know. Because uh, it's 7-7. Uh, yeah, I mean, just I a little bit. A little bit of buff, a little bit of power buff, and it's a two-shot commander. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I think this guy's going to be really fun. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's going to be super fun to build. If nothing else, I've always found... I love playing Golgari decks, but if nothing else, Golgari graveyard decks are particularly fun to brew with. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're just fun to theorize. They're fun to brew. They're fun to put online. Yeah, I I have Uh, one that is very much like this. It's a Golgari graveyard deck that ends up kind of Voltroning a guy. And like mm-hmm. the the mix of you know figure, finding the balance of the self mill and the cards that you can play around with from your graveyard and the Voltron aspects and the mana ramp like finding the balance of those cards is always really really fun for me. I love doing that and playing that deck. Right. All right. I got one last uh, uncommon signpost here, and this is Demir Commander, or Demir Creature. It's a legendary creature, Skeleton Horror, which is amazing creature type. Its name is Uchin, Uchbenbach, the Great Mistake. Like, that's just a killer name right there. Uh, for three generic and blue and a black, it's a 6-4 with Vigilance and Menace. So a 5-mana 6-4 with excellent uh, abilities. And then it also has Descend 8. For four and a blue and a black, you can return Uchbenbach, the Great Mistake, from your graveyard to the battlefield with a finality counter on it. Uh, Activate only if there are eight or more permanent cards in your graveyard and only as a sorcery. A creature with a finality counter, if a creature with a finality counter on it would die, you exile it instead. Uh, I I, I love 90% of this card. I love almost everything on it. I was really tempted to make this my signpost commander to actually build a deck for PDH. Like, it's super powerful. It's a 6-4 Vigilance Menace in the best control colors we have. Skeleton Horror is, like, one of the best creature types going. The art is sick. I just, I don't know about the, um, it's it's built-in unearth ability or what have you. It's, it's exhume ability for 6 mana. Like, that's more expensive than casting it the first time, and you have to some, somehow maintain 
a graveyard of eight or more permanents in a deck where you want to be controlly, which is generally based around spells like instants and sorcery. So there's just a lot going on here. It feels like very high maintenance, a very high maintenance deck while you're playing it, which feels very demure, which just kind of turns me off. But um, maybe it'll end up doing something. And if somebody builds a cool deck, I may, you know, play test it on Moxfield or something. But I don't know if I'm going to go through the trouble of building it actually in paper. But literally, other than half of the rules text box on the card, everything else about it is super awesome. What do you think, Liam? Do you like this big old skeleton? I don't know. I kind of have mixed feelings on it. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely different, uh, lore wise and 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 flavor wise. But I'm I'm not convinced about the descend mechanic yet. Yeah, yeah, Golgari. I was all over descend because that's like what those colors do. Mm-hmm. But in Demir, that seems like a little more work. What do you think, Dave? I am very interested to see where this guy goes because uh, again, I love. I love the the decks that are going to go hard on self-mill and then entertain themselves by casting things from the graveyard. Uh, yep. Six is a lot. It's more uh, than to cast it normally. Yeah. Six, four, Vigilance Menace is uh, threatening. Sure. Mm-hmm. I also don't... I don't love that it's... When you hit it from the graveyard, if it dies a second time, then it's back to command zone and you have to, oh, you have to gross. commander tax it and then so like it's it, it comes back from the graveyard for six mana every other time right with that finality counter unless you find i mean you could clock spinning the finality counter off that would be entertaining but then you're still paying <laughs> six for it right like six six mana to cast it plus the four from buyback clock spinning is like now you're spending 10 men on it like at that point just let it go to the command zone <laughs> yeah like, at that point there's not, just better demir commanders to play yeah you're not it's so it's i feel like it's going to be a really fun in theory but so mana intensive all the time that it's going to end up being all the time less yeah less fun than you're imagining yeah for sure 100 percent. i just it's too bad that they wasted the skeleton horror on this creature, but he's cool though. I mean, vigilance, menace, six four, all that stuff is super sweet. But I, I mean, like his name and his art. Yeah, I, I his mean, name's awesome. And I like, I like his ability. I just, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a mediocre commander, but I still love yes. the guard. Sure. Yeah, and you know, six damage, village, uh, vigilance, and menace is uh, pretty good in limited. I guess yeah. that, that's just bashing. It's gonna bashing get somebody's face. Yeah. Ooh, uh, we got anything we left here, Dave? I think we might uh, be done. What, how, I forgot to clock when we transitioned from pre-show to episode, so I don't know how long this episode. I think we're is. at right we, about two and a half hours for the show. Two and a half. That's pretty good for a <laughs> three by three and set review. I was I was expecting that's this true. To go longer. If you if you if you tally them up previously, it's probably like three plus hours between the two episodes. Yeah, easy. So I think we did okay. Let us probably, know. Um, probably closer to four. Oh, that's yeah, that, yeah. I'd have to look, but you're probably right. But yeah, anybody listening, just let us know how you think of this format. If you like like the way we did this one, um, hit us up in the Discord or comment or whatever, and uh, tell us what you think of this one because we've tried it out. We've been trying all of our set reviews. We've done a little bit differently, but we've been doing these separate signpost building episodes uh for a while now and and they're fun they're good we just i think we got the feedback that 
too many new cards are kind of boring after a while, if, if that makes sense. And it's just sort of like, okay, you know, more new card talk, more new card talk. So uh, we tried to jam it all into one episode. So just let us know if it works, if you want us to um, keep doing this sort of thing with all the new sets. Oh, Dave, Liam, it's been a long night. You guys have anything you want to add? I'm fresh out. I am fresh out. That's right. <laughs> I, I think the other thing I've got to add is that this weekend there's another CPDH tournament. Oh, there is. Yeah. There is. Chris from One More Games. Yep. He is running a, comp- a competitive Papa Commando tournament. He's calling it Common Cause. Uh, and it is a charity event in support of veteran mental health. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent cause. Yep. Excellent format. Excellent tournament. Excellent host. So, yeah. All good stuff. Yeah, and for more information... I don't know if I'll be able just... to play, but I assume he'll be streaming it, so I'll, I'll try to tune in, but I don't think I'm going to be able to play. Yeah, uh, and for more information, go to omgmtg.com. Perfect. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think we're going to hit the outro and get on out of here. So uh, a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. As usual, if you need more Popper Commander Talk or have any questions about the format, you can always follow us on Instagram or X slash Twitter. We're just the PDH pod there. You can email the show at the PDH pod at gmail.com or head on over to the PDH home base's website. You'll t- that'll take you right to the Discord server. Uh, you can find Liam and I on X slash Twitter at Popper Command and Popper underscore B respectively. And you can always find Dave as the Alcadron pretty much everywhere else. PDH is being talked about and all the links and the links to Chris's tournament and everything will be down in the show details so you can check them out there and we're going to wrap up episode 73 of the PDH pod but we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original music for the show and from everyone in here to everyone out there brew a deck play some PDH and we'll see you next week peace cheers see ya control home cool. control, control home, home. Ah. E.T. Control Home. (laughs) (sighs) We're funny. Okay. It's true. I thought that was pretty fucking hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I brought proper text at the party.